Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the SoCo Show. It's episode number 156. We're rounding out three years of the SoCo Show today. And uh, I'm sad to say I am without the So host this week. For the first time ever, uh, you're about to hear an episode of the SoCo Show with no Seth. Um, the reason being, if you're in the Midwest, you're probably aware, big, big storms. Uh, they're calling it the derecho, uh, Dereco, however it is you say it. Um, but Seth has been uh, without power and without internet this week, and we weren't able to get it hooked up uh, for him to do the podcast. He is safe. Uh, he's, he's got everything he needs. He's fine, um, but wasn't able to get connected for the show this week. And I told him, I said, Seth, I can't do the show without you, man. And he said, you got it. He gave me the thumbs up and said, uh, go, go do your best shot, basically because I'm always talking shit about him on the show, and he wants me to prove that I can't do it without him. So um, we're going to try to do that today, but I am not alone, folks. I got some guests alongside me. At Jared Buckendall. JB, you're my new so-host now, man. Oh, man, I'm the navigator, and I'm taking us off the road of this podcast. <laughs> and also, Cody, the word you're looking for is Dorito. That's the name of the winds that went through the plains. Oh, God. Um, the Dorito, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there a lot of go. the ranches out here were really cool, uh, cool ranch. <laughs> oh, my God. Four cheese devastation across <laughs> the state of Iowa. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I got to say, um, I, I, again, was forced yesterday to miss... J Buck Live. Um, what what were the highlights that you talked about this week? If folks are gonna go check out that recording, eh. what, what what can they find over there? Honestly, it was there. There wasn't much any like amazing news. Plus, I was uh I had, I was running behind because you know again there was those storms in the Midwest. So traveling, um, I have vo- I had volleyball beforehand. It took me a while to get home, so I didn't start until 15 minutes after the fact. And then like <laughs> I was halfway through a news story, and I was like, does anyone give a shit about this news story? And then I just switched over to the next one. <laughs> So that's oh, like that's it. the show. I like it. Well, if you want to hear a very casual episode of J Buck Live, uh, head over to the YouTube. Ask Jared Buckendall. And you can check that out. Um, but we are still not done. We have even more folks on the podcast today. We're going to bring in one more guest. That don't impress me <laughs> <laughs> you should be honored, Lindsay, our best sounder uh, for Lindsay Monday, who joins the show. If you're If you're a listener... Uh, you may remember Lindsay as our first ever guest on the Shoko Show from episode number eight. And uh, Lindsay, I want to say thank you for joining us on episode 156. It's been a while. Sup, peeps? I'm happy to be here. I don't know what to take from that sounder. Does that mean you're not impressed by me? Or does that mean <laughs> I am a Shania Twain quality human? Because that's I will take the latter, but not the former. Yeah, that that's exactly what it is. We, we I knew you liked Shania and... Um, Frankly, I, I couldn't think of nothing else seemed like a good joke. Like if I if I could if I had found a good dig uh, on there, I would have. Um, but I, I just, you know, I didn't have time to come up with a new sounder. So I had to work with what I had. So but you should feel honored. It's our best sounder. We say, it OK, well, then I will feel honored. And I don't think I'll be ragged on as much with Seth not on here. So I don't know if we need to, like, start with putting me in my place. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we might need to stick it to Lindsay. Um, a no, couple of times. Oh, that's nasty. I, I I did not mean to say it that way. That was <laughs> that's not <laughs> gross. That was an accident. But um, but for the folks who who don't know Lindsay Monday, um, Lindsay and I met in 2010. We've met almost exact almost to the day we met 10 years ago. I know Lindsay, it's I our 10 year anniversary this year, Co. 
It is crazy. And uh, so we've been friends for a long time. Uh, we are both cinephiles. Uh, the difference is Lindsay's, um, Lindsay's love of cinema took her out to Hollywood where she works uh, in film production. So uh, she's got a little bit of the inside knowledge. She puts in the blood, sweat, and tears to make movies so that guys like me and Jared and Seth can go, yeah, it was fun. And, yeah, I can uh, rip them I'm sure apart. you appreciate all that. <laughs> Without any so, Lindsay, real what, context. Uh, <laughs> what else by way of introducing yourself do folks need to know about Lindsay before we have you on for the show today? Oh, gosh. Um, I've been out in L.A. for it'll be four years in January, which is crazy. Obviously, this year doesn't count. A big thing out in L.A. is like, how many years have you been out here? How many years have you been doing this? It's like one of the first questions people ask. And I feel like <laughs> we should get to scrub 2020 off of that because people judge you based on that. You know, they're like, mm -hmm. if you've been out here this many years, you should be roughly here in your career. And I feel like we get to omit 2020 because... As I was just telling Jared, I've worked probably since quarantine nine days. So since yeah. like the middle of March, I've worked nine days total. <laughs> Quality wow. work wow. right there. Yeah. Um, it's so I would say that I typically, um, well, I've, I've done a bunch of different things in the industry, but um, I now I specialize in camera department. So I'm operating cameras and I'm assisting um, the camera operators and, uh, I love it. It's great. Big fan. I had the, I had the pleasure of working with Lindsay a couple years ago, um, on a film set and it was the most fun. Uh, it mm. was very stressful. I, I was very scared the entire time, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was very fun. There's something so unique about a film set, uh, that there's this, this electricity around it. I'm, I'm sure not on every set, but I envy you that that's what you get to do for a living. It must be really uh, not fun to have that kind of on the back burner right now while you can't be on set. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely different. Um, I don't know. I, if I'm really honest with you, ever since quarantine started, I've just tried not to think about it because yeah, I have, I have friends, obviously most of my friends work in the film industry and who, who really every day are like missing it a bunch. And I just try to be like, this is a cool opportunity um, a cool time in my life that I'll never get again, where I, I'm going to be honest, I'm living off of unemployment and that's been nice and kind to me. So I haven't been hurting too much financially and, um, just taking a little time to, you know, get my shit together. It's like, don't we all as adults have just like a nonstop ongoing list of things to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mine dates back to probably around the time I met Yuko. <laughs> And so it's nice to like cross some of those things off that I've wanted to do forever. Yeah. 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 I know a lot of folks are benefiting from having a little extra time. Um, and we're going to hear a lot more about quarantine, about working in the industry. We're going to talk about some news stories and get Lindsay's opinion from, from an insider on some of the things we've talked about Inside. lately on the show. Um, Lindsay and I are going to absolutely fillate a couple of TV shows. Uh, you, can, you can look forward to that. We got some movies to review. A lot of great shit uh, is coming up on the show this week. But before we go into anything, you thought we wouldn't have it without Seth, but you know we got to have some chic tweets. Some tweets? You a punk. All 
All right, JP, it's your time to shine here. In Seth's stead, you're you're bringing us a chic tweet. What uh, have you got for us for this? Man, week? I just I just feel dirty doing this because this is a thing that he's done for what 150 some episodes now, <laughs> and I have to step in here and try to do it just once. Um, I don't even I don't even know the voice that he does, so I'm just gonna read this. <laughs> Big news. Go fuck yourself. That's good. <laughs> Sheiky baby that always is, throwing uh, it around. That's right. That keeping them humble. That's what I like about Sheiky baby. And I must say, very well read, Jared. Uh, a lot of folks might remember back in the early two thousands, uh, there was a quarterback for the Patriots that got injured and couldn't play in a game, and they had to put a replacement in. And uh, it ended up being Tom Brady that they put in, and he won six Super Bowls. I'm not saying you're about to be the Tom Brady of sheet tweets and and uh, take over the SoCo show. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, it was a very good first effort uh, on this week's sheet tweet. i got to give you a shout-out. I call you a punk. All right. Now that everyone's done Googling the sports reference I just made. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We uh, got to shout out our sponsors. First of all, Jared, I hope you'll help me out on these two. Uh, first of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free! Yes, yes, yes. We have uh, Mathis Designs. Head over to etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Paid. And of course, Mike's Wood, head over to etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your woodworked. <sighs> yes, no. that's, that's, that's good. I did not know what order to do them in, so I almost said pay it. Like, I, I, I'm, I just don't pay attention. <laughs> that is the one thing that we will not be missing from Seth is his gross ass sex noises. I don't know. They've kind of well, grown go, on America. me. I have not grown on me. <laughs> there we go. Lindsay, Lindsay weighing in on behalf of all of our female listeners. <laughs> yes, uh, and right? Saying, That's exactly we got to get rid is. of the sex moans. Uh, loud, loud and clear, ladies. We hear you. Um, also, uh, we, we're not going to be completely devoid of Seth because we got to go to some previously recorded Seth, uh, as well as me, to talk about Anchor. All right. Well, nice to hear just a little bit of Seth um, on the Anchor ad there. Um, if you want to become a contributor for the podcast, you can do so, um, by heading to our anchor page. There's a link to that in the description box. Uh, you can choose to be a contributor and donate to the show on a monthly basis. Uh, I want to give big shouts out to our current contributors, Mike V, Jared B, Anna S and Casey C. We appreciate all y'all helping the show out. Um, if you want to become a contributor, head on over, uh, you can become an anchor wanker today, uh, by... <laughs> by joining the crew and um if if you if you can't or don't want to be uh, a contributor no problem at all uh you're helping us out just by listening to this so uh keep clicking on these episodes keep sharing them with friends because uh, every time helps out the show a little bit so we appreciate all that i will say too a special uh a special thing for our anchor wankers out there um we're going to talk about this later on in the show but our our anniversary uh live stream the first ever Soko show live uh, was it is scheduled for August twentieth uh, at eight p.m. Central, six Pacific. Um, we'll see if Seth uh, and his tech capabilities are going to allow for that to happen, but we are still planning to have that show on schedule. And if you are an anchor contributor, or if you're not, head on over to our anchor page where you can find a link to leave us a voice message, 
And uh, we think it'd be really fun if there was some voice messages there uh, from some of the listeners out there, especially from some of our contributors that we could play during uh, <laughs> next week's live show. So if you're out there and you leave us a voicemail this week, we will play it next week on the show. So tell us a funny joke. Tell us why our takes are shit. Tell us how ugly we are, whatever it is you got to do. Um, but make this the week to head on over and leave a voice message if you can. And you can do that by linking uh, in the description box. So with all that, uh, we are going to jump into the show proper here. And we've got the aforementioned Lindsay Monday on hand. So Lindsay, I got a bunch of questions for you. I want to get your opinion on a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, okay. And, and we've, we've prepped you a little bit for this, but I may throw you a curveball or two. We'll see. Um, Wait, are you taking her to Kyle's to... court right now? <laughs> that, you know what? I think uh, I think that's exactly what's happening here. What is? Here you go, Lens. You're in Kyle's court. This is I'm uh, you might not know. This is yeah. You you should be sweating. <laughs> you're, you're on, on the, the stand seat. right now. <laughs> Kyle's court is this Kyle Michael? Yeah, basically Kyle um, came on the show a few months back and interviewed Seth, and he wanted it to be called Kyle's Court. So, he made it <laughs> <that> sounder. <laughs> so now when we interview that. people, that's what it is. So he's probably out there cussing us, probably demanding some funds uh, for us mentioning his name, but he's not going to get it. I'd rather um, be a part of Fanny's Court, going to be honest. Well, you're not the only one. You're not the <laughs> only one. Uh, let's start here, Lindsay. We talked a little bit about the pause um, in the industry and you, and I know a lot of folks you, that you know, um, are without work and haven't been working during quarantine specifically on set, at least. Um, what's, I want to know what's that been like, uh, not just for you, but for the community at large, like what are the conversations folks are having about not being at work? Uh, and then, uh, and then also about like when, when work might begin and what's, what's happening, uh, just sort of in the industry, what are you hearing about? Uh, mainly I would say that work has really only started to pick up within the last month or so. I was home um, for most of June and I got a few texts while I was home. That's kind of when it started ramping up a little bit, but it's really only non-union work and mainly commercials and stuff like that. That's been happening in the US, especially in terms of what I've been working on. Um, my One of my best friends is a live stream director and technical director for live stream. So she's been so busy because everybody's doing that. So I've worked on a few of her things, but in terms of regular on set production, yeah, there really hasn't been much at all going on. Um, my other best friends, the line producer at NBC, they've been told 2021, don't even think about it till 2021. Uh, my other good friend uh, is in the Directors Guild of America training program um, that puts people who are training to be first ADs um, who run the entire set of any shoot. Um, they get assigned to different shows and films and stuff. And her program has told her, uh, don't even think about it till 2021. They're starting to book people like she has friends who've been booked on things, but it's still for 2021. But every set I'm on is just the worst. It's just, it's, uh, it's hard to describe if you've never been on a set, but sets are very, very hands-on um, and they're very collaborative. And I don't even know how to describe how hard it is to do a COVID-19 safe set because it's just awful. Um, yeah, it's it's very hard. It's They really stagger all the, the departments that come in. So like the um, 
the art department will come in and dress the set and then they will leave and then they'll let the lighting crew come in and light everything and they'll leave and the camera comes in and camera gets set up and then they'll leave. And even for example, we did, um, I was part of some interview for Vice. I was on set for that uh, this past week. And they, when talent steps on set, the DP presses record on the camera. We all leave and then he walks in and they just talk to him via like a walkie talkie. It's very, very, yeah, it's very, very odd. Um, Obviously, they're taking our temperature with the little ray gun thing when we show up and everyone has to wear masks the whole time and they encourage us to be six feet apart. But that's just like not possible with the way that, especially camera team, the way that my job works is like, the DP will have the camera on his shoulder and then I take it from him and I put it on the sticks and then the AC comes in and swaps the cards and the lenses. Like we have to be right on top of each other. So they're just banking on the temperature gauge essentially when you show up. So it's very odd and I don't like it. And it feels very different from what I love about a set. You know, it just doesn't feel the same. And uh, I think a lot of people feel that way, which is why not too much has been going on. Um, So we'll see Mm -hmm. what 2021 has in store for us. I love how everyone's giving it this like 2021 timestamp me and my friends were talking about. It's not like it's going to be like, happy new year. The world's back to normal. (laughs) Like, I don't know why everyone has just decided that once we hit 2021, it'll be fine. It's like, I don't don't think we know that. Hmm. Were you... Uh, and, and certainly, you know, don't say anything you, you can't tell everyone, but, um, were you on anything when we had to shut down or were you part of any productions that were paused? Yeah, I was on American Idol, um, and we didn't pause. So I was actually one of the rare people that kept working for about a month. Cause I think I want to say stuff started getting really hairy, right? Like middle or end of February, I think is when we yeah. started going into actual full on lockdowns and quarantines. St. Patrick's Day was the, I think, the big. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, it was like March, in. what, fifteenth, seventeenth, something around there. Yeah. So we had been um, the way that Idol works is there's obviously they go around to all the different states and they do the auditions and then there's Hollywood Week and then they go around and do like the hometown crap and then they come back for um, when we're actually like on our stage um, for the actual meat of the show and so we were gearing up for that portion like moving into our new offices on the stage and getting everything ready for all the execs and it was madness and horrible i'm not afraid to say that that is the worst job i've ever had and fuck that show (laughs) um fuck reality tv in general but um just ridiculous amounts of stress and and panic and effort into getting all the offices ready for all the big execs to move over and us start recording. And um, literally like the day that they were supposed to move in is when everything got shut down. So it was all for nothing. And then became, or well then began like the craziness that was recording from home. I think we were truly mm-hmm. one of the first shows to full on start doing that and like mailing out these massive camera packages to every single contestant. I think it was our top 20 Um, so they all had to like rig that up themselves and do tests with our tech department. And it's like a whole thing. So I, yeah, I worked longer than a lot of people, but it was very weird to see that start to happen. Like to have our execs start to 
panic about it and um, try to send all the PAs out to stock up on cleaning supplies. I just send like someone out for 12 hours a day just to check every CVS in the Los Angeles area. And they'd be like, I got one bottle. And I'd be like, great. Hit me up the next time you've got one four hours later. I found a box of Kleenex. Yeah. Great. <laughs> the the you know you all know the way the panic ensued where everyone just bought out everything and anything uh definitely impacted crews that were trying to finish up for sure so you were on idols obviously like a big production a lot of budget and a lot of Mm -hmm. moving parts but i know a lot of the time you're working on uh smaller sets independent films and the like um i'm curious about the stoppage and and that whole part of the industry because it seems to me that productions like that that had to pause in the middle um, would be at a pretty high risk of not being able to come back. Uh, what are you hearing around that? Have you heard of a lot of productions that had to just fully shut up or or are they still clinging to hope that they'll get to fully come back and finish out what they were working on? Because a lot of that stuff is really fragile. Interesting. So we're talking like indie films and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh, I wish I had more to contribute. Um, No, I don't necessarily have a lot of info on that. If I'm going to be honest with you, my assumption is that they just finished up. Because when no union is controlling it, um, they can pretty much do whatever the hell they want. And yeah, that would be my guess. My guess would be that they finished up if they were an indie shoot. Because indie shoots also usually aren't super long. So I, I would imagine they wouldn't have had issues with that. So, Lindsay, talking about, you know, productions that are shut down, and and fortunately, we've had a lot of movies that have still been able to come out on VOD. We've got things that are in the can ready to come out in theaters. Um, So the quarantine hasn't really shut down. I think later we'll see the impact of the productions that were shut down, but there's a lot of stuff that's still coming out, a lot of stuff that's waiting to come out. Mm -hmm. And we're a couple weeks away from most of the theaters opening back up. I'm curious what you're seeing and hearing around L.A., uh, and if there are the- any theaters open, and then also if you're, like, where are you at in terms of getting back to the theater? Are you rushing back, or are you going to hang back and be a little more cautious? Just what's your attitude toward getting back into the movie theater to watch watch something? Um, I think that around L.A., I mean, we're, we're hearing all this AMC is fucked shit, right? Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that's interesting that my friends and I have been talking about is that it would actually kind of, I love my movie plan because I've got the AMC pass or whatever and I go and see a lot of movies and I like that, but it would actually be really, really cool if AMC and Regal and yada, yada, yada got like died because of this. And we get the, we get to bring back like Ma and Pa theaters and that kind of experience. Cause especially in LA, we have such cool little, you know, individually owned theaters with, amazing history, you know, that are beautiful, beautiful theaters that it seems like you're seeing a play in. Um, So that would be really cool. And I would be on board for that. And I'd be willing to pay more money to have that, like, come back. I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think I'm shedding a tear for, like, AMC and all those Mm -hmm. places. It actually, you know, if we could bring back some of that small theater life, I think that'd be really cool. Um, so that would be interesting in terms of me rushing out to see things. If Tenant drops in the middle of the ocean, I'm fucking there. I don't really give a <laughs> shit. Oh, wait. I, hold on, Lens. We got Tenant Watch. Tenant Watch. <laughs> More t- we've been talking about Tenant every week for six months. <laughs> I've been talking about and Tenant it's... every week for six months. If I have to fight off zombies, I don't even, I just don't. 
think you understand. Like, I, <laughs> I want to see that movie so fucking bad. It's insane. Um, I'm a massive Christopher Nolan fan. He's my number one favorite director of all time. And I've been waiting to see that movie as long as everybody else. But uh, I will 100% be wherever that drops. I don't care. I just don't care. I don't care where. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny because like we all said similar things like that's the movie and I think a big part for Tenet too is you know like we can watch a lot of the indie movies that have been coming out anyway you know you could watch that online you can watch Trolls at home that's fine right. but but for a Nolan movie he shot it specifically with IMAX in mind like this seems like the one movie that that we're aware of today that you like just have to be in the theater. Like you just, you couldn't stay home and watch it. You wouldn't have nearly the experience. No, I, I would never. And honestly, I don't think they will let that happen. Um, I'm, I'm shocked that Mulan did that. Cause that's a similar mm -hmm. type of thing where like that whole movie is about the visuals. Um, mm -hmm. So I find that really interesting that that's going to Disney plus. I saw a really funny meme <laughs> about it today. That was like, so you're saying I already pay for Disney plus and now I have to pay to watch a movie on there. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I probably won't. I wasn't all that intrigued, but uh, it will be interesting to see how it does. Actually, they probably won't release how it does. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right about that. They or they'll they'll super inflate it like Netflix does. It means every Netflix thinks every person in America watched The Old Guard three times in the first in the first week. Uh, it made ten billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Lindsay. Like the the uh, the Netflix figures that come out where they're like 44 million people streamed The Old Guard last week. And I'm like, really? Because if at ten at ten dollars a movie ticket, that's a billion dollar movie. Is that what you're telling me? Is that The Old Guard is a billion dollar movie? Um, <laughs> and so <clears throat> I, I could definitely see something similar where we'd see some psycho number um, <laughs> of uh, people that watch Mulan when really only three people actually paid to see it. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're not even making it cheap. It's like going to be 30 bucks or something, yeah. right? $30. And, and that, that opens up a whole new thing I saw today because, um, someone like released like a behind the scenes kind of like of Disney plus, like a new section called uh Disney premiere. Um, and that's where those like Mulan's going to go. Oh. And if you make that section and do art for it, you're probably not going to put just one movie there. So I'm curious if this is a testing ground and going to be a thing for potentially Soul, potentially Black Widow. Who who knows what else they're going to throw on there? Oh, wow. Man. I don't, I just, I could never be, I don't feel today, and I'll, you know, fast forward 10 years and I'll probably be the exact opposite of this. That's the nature of things. But, but today I could never see myself watching like a major blockbuster from home for the no. first time. Like, I feel like I have to go to the theater for a movie like that. There's really no, uh, if I'm excited for something, I would rather see it in the theater than at home. I would, and I would pay more for it, but at $30 a piece, I'm saving money by going. To the <laughs> so there's, yeah. there's no way I'll put on a mask and go watch Mulan in the theater by myself. That's true. So it's like, if they make uh, COVID aside, if they make a, uh, make it a common thing that they're releasing movies on Disney Plus. I would imagine it mm -hmm. wouldn't be that expensive because, like, what you just said. Because then why do it? But yeah, who knows? If a, if a family family of five, if they don't want to go to the theater, I totally get it. Like, give them an alternative because you know oh, they want to see the recent movies too. Duh. For families, I absolutely get it. Now we're all none of us are married with kids or anything like that. <laughs> Spoiler for us, for us, it's a no brainer. Yeah, <laughs> we have time to do podcasts. So, um, 
for it's not for us, but for families, I could see it being something that makes a little more sense, but I'm never going to use it. Plus, mm-hmm. I will also say, whilst I agree with both of you about same thing, if it's a movie I really want to see, especially if it's one that, you know, has the visuals that I want to see in a theater, I'm going to go to the theater. But we, we are the dying breed of that, you know? Most people, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. AMC was in trouble before all this. Like, people are not going to the theater because there's such excellent content that you can watch at home. Even, you know, now, even if you just have a Netflix subscription, there are original movies and TV shows coming out all the time on there. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. Lindsay, you're 100% right. We, uh, the people that are going to, you know, what, just even two movies a month is a stretch because I've, I, I was talking to a friend a while ago and they said that the last movie they saw was in like 2012. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, That's what? So insane to me. What do you do with your time? Get <laughs> 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 drunk. That's so funny. I, can, I can't even fucking. That makes me laugh so hard because I can't even picture a world where I'm not at the theater all the time. Exactly. I and I, I, but I will also say, as the filmmaker here, that out of my three best friends out here, Jake, Holly, and Lily, Jake and I are the big movie people. Like, I see 90% of my movies with him. Holly and Lily, the only movies they see are the ones that I'm like, let's go see this, and I arrange it, and I plan it. Which would you say is more common for people who are in the industry? Are, is, is, are there more cinephiles like you that want to see everything, or are there more people who are a little bit less uh, into it than, like, Jared and I are? That's interesting. I don't know. I, I would think, I almost want to say it's, like, half and half, and it's, it's extremes, right? You're either the me... Mm-hmm who sees, who goes to the, the theater, uh, I don't know, let's say four times a week, somewhere in there, four-ish, um, and sees just about anything that's worth seeing. And then you have the ones who like, like even the DPs that I work with, some of them haven't seen the big, don't see anything, or haven't seen the big movies. I don't know the, the, the ratio, but it's one or the other. It's like they don't see anything or they see everything. And, and I'm <laughs> with you guys i'm like what are you doing with your time then i just don't (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of uh what are you doing with your time uh, i wanted to ask you about this because jared and i have been talking throughout this whole time about quarantine for a creative type and Mm. and i'll 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 take the liberty of declaring all of us here creative types (laughs) um and it, what Jared and I have been talking about is like for a while it was, it, you, you know, you thought you were going to be really creative and I'm, I'm finally going to finish this right. screenplay or I'm finally going to write more jokes. And then it didn't happen. And then I think for some people it's, it started to, but like, what's that been like for you? What have you been, what have you had to do to keep your creative juices flowing or have you just taken a break from things like that? I wish I had a, like a more interesting answer for you. I've not, no, I've not been that creative in the filmmaker sense um for sure i i've been i'm telling jared been decorating my apartment like gangbusters which i know sounds ridiculous especially considering how many days i've told you i've worked and how many days i've spent (laughs) doing nothing but um that is creative for me and it's definitely something i thoroughly enjoy doing and i have really enjoyed doing that making my apartment my happy place i'm definitely one of those people so um that's how I'd say I've spent a lot of my creative juices. Otherwise, watching stuff, you know, I still feel like I flex that creative muscle when I watch things or discuss things with people. I, I guess my only silly answer would be that my friends and I have been having like themed days. 
um, which has been, yeah, just to like pass the time. And people are always commenting because I post them on Instagram and stuff. And people are always commenting like, what was this for? And it's like for, for Thursday. It was, it was yeah. just because because we're bored and we're goofballs and we, yeah, feel like, especially uh, myself and my female friends, we like miss getting dressed up and stuff. Like miss not sitting in our sweatpants all day long. So that's been fun. We did like a, early on, we did a uh, Mary Kate and Ashley night and watched all Mary Kate <laughs> and Ashley movies. That was a blast. We did like a PJ party, Disney Channel original movies night. We did an 80s night. We did Spice Girls night just the other day. Um, so that's been, um, yeah, curing that itch a little bit, I guess. That's like the kind of shit you do in in middle school. And and we all as adults just forgot you can just do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, why the fuck not? I think yeah. that's so funny, and especially in this room, because like, I, uh, just this last week, I went on a hike and I wore my Spider-Man, uh, like, it's just a top half, but my Spider-Man tights. I just wore that for the hike. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. <laughs> hey, Spider-Man, I'm going to hike these trails. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to swing the rope over. Hey. I, um, yeah, it was like a, it kind of, it's like a dry fit thing. You know what I mean? Oh, and God. so I didn't wear the mask it. or anything, but I was like, fuck it. I want to look like Spider-Man. And, and anyone who watches, uh, who watches Jared, At Jared Buckendall knows that he's got a whole fucking house full of costumes that he, yeah, but I don't so wear like, them outside. You do too. Don't tell me you've never gone out in that orange tux to get some food. <laughs> I mean, maybe to the movie theater, but they, they, they allow it. <laughs> My level of degaff uh, is extreme right now when it comes to like how I look in public. Borderline should probably be thinking a little harder about it. I went to Whole Foods today in bright red sweatpants, a pink tie-dyed friend's shirt, and a weed mask. Like it has weed leaves on it. <laughs> I was like, this is fashion. working. This is working. Yeah, fashion. <laughs> this is fashion. Not long before we started recording, I was having dinner and um, I had gotten a, a DoorDash to bring me a Chipotle. And I walked outside and I have to go kind of a little bit, little bit down for my apartment to get my mail. And they showed up while I was out getting my mail. So someone was standing at my door when I got back with my letters and they turned and I was like, excuse me. They turned and saw me and I'm wearing like, I've had these same sweatpants on for like two days. And I have like <laughs> one of the legs is pulled up to my knee because I was a little cold on that side. And I'm wearing a fucking, my shirt is the same color as my sweatpants and my hair is all unkempt. And I, and, and I was like, Hey, and I turned around and it just so happened to be like a, 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 I'll be honest with you, a pretty, pretty attractive young woman. And she turned and I was immediately was so aware of how I looked. Um, and, I, and, and I was like, Oh, that's for me. And I just pictured her going, look at this fucking slob that I just brought this burrito. Hey, to. Uh, hey sweetheart, is that my burrito right there? <laughs> That would actually be oh, like man. a really cool study to interview a bunch of like Postmates and DoorDash delivery people to see like what oddities they've seen during this time because Ugh. I'm sure they've got stories. I bet it's insane. I I mean, just myself, I, I feel like I'm a disgusting troll every time I just open. <laughs> I like crack open my door and like flood, like sunlight floods into my apartment for the first time in a month and I, cr I creep my head out from the fucking darkness and go, is that my Chipotle? <laughs> That's how I feel every time I get food. I will say that also at the beginning of quarantine, um, my friends and I, this dream died quickly, but we decided that we were, they, they've all been to film school and I did not. And while you're in film school, they have like 
pretty universally in most of the film schools they they do like um oh crap i can't remember the term but they have like projects that are in a certain vein that occur like systematically basically and so they were like we're gonna do that together so you can like do that and i was like cool that'll be fun and so we did record my first one haven't edited it whatever but it involves <laughs> it involves i have a balcony off of my bedroom that overlooks the fairly busy street that i live on and it involved my best friend jake in a full ninja costume acting like he's breaking in like from the oh, balcony God. Um, and so he would like hang out on the balcony until we called action. And then he like comes in the door and, um, he, there were multiple times that we had to cut because he was talking because he was trying to explain to someone that everything was fine. <laughs> like yeah. people down on the street that were like, uh, what's going on? And I'm like, okay, but this is also clearly no one is breaking in wearing ninja costumes anymore. Like that's, <laughs> that is in straight out of a movie. <laughs> If you actually ever see that in real life, I'd be shocked. Let's shift gears a little bit, Lens, because I know you've, you've listened to some recent episodes to get caught up, and, and you, you wanted to weigh in on a, a story we, we covered earlier. Uh, I think this was actually just last week, but Ellen and, and Ellen's show and the tough workplace environment there and, and everything that's going on. So uh, I guess I don't even have a specific question. I'm just, I'm just interested in all of your thoughts on this. What, what did you think about when you were reading about what's going on with Ellen? I think it's really unfortunate. I think it's really unfortunate because she stands for such positivity um, and kindness. So it sucks to hear that the working environment was shit. Um, yeah, because it's like, how hypocritical can you get? You your mm -hmm. sign off, your catchphrase is literally, what is it? Treat is it treat people with kindness? No, that's not right. Be kind to one another. I Sorry, it's know. be kind to one another. That is literally how she signs off every show. That is like her catchphrase. So it's like... To go from that to what we've been hearing is really sucky. Um, I have people I know personally who've worked on The Ellen Show and say, you walk into that set and everyone, you can just, the fear is palpable. Like everyone is walking on eggshells trying not to upset um, her. Um, all the articles have been saying that it's the EPs that have been doing some shady shit. And I'm not saying that that's false, but my friends specifically say it is her like she is the yes it's she's the big bad wolf and everybody's just trying not to get fired and that she pretty systematically fires all of her crew every season and brings new people on um no huh. one works there very long and that um and this is not abnormal for someone of her caliber who has their own show but it's like when ellen's ready you go like she comes when she comes and she's ready to roll when she's ready to roll and you just do it. Like there's no, hold on, we're not ready. <laughs> That's just not allowed. It, it does suck to hear a lot because even from celebrities, we hear good things about her and good experiences that they have with her, which makes me think that she is really tapering her, I don't know, pleasantries to people who matter um mm -hmm. versus people who don't which sucks um but the main thing that i took away from it is that i have seen a lot of women who have made it to a high place in the industry whether they be in front of the camera or behind the camera um who are older than me of course who are from a, a different generation and a different time um feel the need to 
uh, essentially be a bitch in order to not get walked all over. They had they had to be that to get to where they are. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you see, I could reference Jennifer Aniston in Morning Show a little bit for something like that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it really, it. I think it was really, really, really hard to be a woman in a leadership position back in the day. It's still probably hard, but especially back then, uh, you... This the way our industry is ran is very, very on a person person basis. It's all word of mouth. It's all um, networking. And you really have to, like, get your foot in the door and keep it in the door and be willing to play ball with the big guys who are dicks. (laughs) That's just Mm kind of how it goes in order to not get taken advantage of as a female who's trying to to lead something um, I think we're in the process of seeing that change. Um, part of the Me Too movement and, and things like that is that I can still be, I don't know, a pleasant person to be around and be taken seriously, um, mm-hmm. which is great. But I, I'm not surprised that I've heard that about her, especially with how long she's been in the limelight that she would get to a place where she's like that. Doesn't excuse mm-hmm. it. I'm not excusing it. Um, but I, I have seen things and especially, um, she's not just a woman. She was one of the first gay people period to really be, um, yeah, of her caliber, honestly. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that she's not just fighting off that negative stereotyping of women. She's also fighting off negative stereotyping of gay people. And I've heard some similar type of things about Oprah and she was fighting off being, a woman as well as a minority. So I don't like it. And, uh, I definitely think I'm, I'm pro anyone who's done anything shitty being, being called out for it and being held accountable. I will say that prior to this season, she had basically announced that she was done. She's doing this. She's been doing this for a long time. She's pretty old. She's obviously financially well off enough to retire. Um, especially with her wife still working pretty actively. And so I would not be shocked in the slightest if they wait till this blows over a little bit so that they don't announce the ending of the show in the wake of all this negativity. But I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be shocked if this is the end because she was already ready for it to be the end. Um, Apparently, according to someone who told me this, (laughs) that this season was already had a lot of uh, guest hosts because she was only really doing four days a week as it was. And, Especially, you know, you add in Corona and I, I think, I think there's a very real possibility that we have seen the last of her. I wanted to, mm-hmm. um, chip in my pick for her replacement to your guys' oh, conversation yeah. the other day. If she does yeah, who you got? end up, which I think it, especially now with the negativity surrounding the show, I'm not sure, but it would have been nice to see them. Yeah. Even if it's just like rotating hosts or something for it to keep going because it is a staple of television and her show is unlike anything else um i would have loved to see kiki palmer uh get put oh, in that like position her. yeah she's fun i follow her on instagram she's funny she, she's so great she's she already has done some of that because she does um some of the michael strahan show right that's right did, i forgot about that yeah she yeah. does some co-hosting with him and she's got that very like uh unfiltered like person like she's she's her she's truly just her on tv 
And um, mm. she's got enough of a following that I think people would be intrigued. And like you said, she's got a fun personality. And honestly, also just for her career, especially you were talking about like Octavia, who I love, but she's still killing it. It probably wouldn't be in her best interest. Um, but Kiki has made a name for herself and has also kind of proved now that she's older that she's maybe not the best actress that has ever existed. So it, I mm-hmm. think it'd be a really solid step for her. And obviously I'd love to see some diversity in there. So... I want to rewind back. Um, you were talking about Ellen and Oprah and, and kind of needing to uh, play the game, as you said. And I, I know a lot of what's been going on um, with Me Too is just the fact that you have a whole um, uh, a whole workforce full of people on production teams who probably feel very lucky to get to work on Ellen uh-huh. and are therefore like more willing to endure or endure some bullshit. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on like the idea that you get to work on the Ellen show, you got to put up with some dicks. That's just how it is. Like, is there some, uh, is there some of that lingering around yet still, or is that changing where it's just like, you know, she's a prima donna, but she's Ellen. She gets to be that way. And we all just have to deal with it. Or do you think that we're, we're shifting out of that a little bit or what, what's your read on how, how people see that? I think that sucks. Um, I don't like that at all. I think um, from my experience in narrative and on scripted content, the big names get to where they are because they're great. I mean, I'm not saying that we haven't seen some exceptions, <clears throat> Spacey, but um, for the most part, <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, like I said, this is an industry of people-to-people relationships. We are literally just hiring other humans that we want to work with because we spend an awful lot of time in close quarters collaborating and working together. You know, it's it's very different from an office job. Um, you really truly are dealing with people all the time, as Cody can attest to from his experience working on that shoot with me. Most of the big names that I've worked with are great and they lead with that greatness. And even though they're the actor versus the producer or the director or whatever, they are leading that environment. Um, But people who aren't definitely deserve to be checked. And I think part of the Me Too movement is that we're seeing that. Um, what, What the better things that have came out of the Me Too movement is that people are believed now, you know, they're not shushed Mm. and shoved under the rug. Like people are more willing to speak out, AKA probably why we're hearing about this Ellen shit now. Um, Because it's not a death sentence anymore. You know, you're not gonna get blacklisted Mm. for speaking out um, because that's not okay. And we're seeing that that's not okay. Like if someone does get silenced for speaking out, they will have a platform to say, I've been silenced for speaking out and people will shut that shit down. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the, one of the benefits of the internet culture that we're living in now is that we get a lot more transparency and, and things coming to the surface um, that, you know, a major news network or something wouldn't green light for countless reasons. Um, even like, I remember when um, Black Lives Matter first really ramped up here at the beginning of 2020 um some of the smaller some small glee actress who i'm unfamiliar with calling out leah michelle on twitter mm-hmm. um for some of the racist things that she did to her while she was on glee and it's like no one knew that girl's name i still don't know her name but all it took was her tweeting that and now everybody knows that leah michelle's racist so 
I think yeah. uh, I think the internet will continue to to help that um, culture of like we're not no one no one is good enough of an actress good enough of a director good enough of a producer um, to be an asshole. It's just not okay. There's so this market is so saturated with people trying to do this shit. Like, we're not putting up with you if you're a dickwad anymore. So, I'm and I'm really glad to hear that too because I really hate the idea of people feeling like trapped and have to put up with that kind of stuff because that seems so unfortunate um, for people who do. And I'm sure there still are people who do feel that way. But I'm glad that in general you're seeing some progress made there. That's that's that makes me feel good. Oh yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I, I want to uh, make sure that we keep time for, uh, for a bunch of reviews that we're going to get to, but uh, I certainly appreciate you answering our questions, Lindsay. I'm, I'm wondering, Jared, if you've got another couple questions for Lindsay. Um, just a quick one, I mean, because I don't know if how much time we have, but um, do you think that potentially for the, like the next year or two, we could see a rise in kind of like animated movies rather than live action since, you know, people can't get together really. Um, especially since you said there's so many kind of restrictions on set. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. I mean, in theory, what, what were we just hearing about? Somebody announced, Oh, it's avatar. It's Cameron. Um, that they couldn't do even, that type of stuff, right? Wasn't he saying, did anyone else read his letter? Can anyone help me here? You're ta- are you talking about mocap stuff? For, I, I went to The Last Airbender. You're talking about James Cameron Avatar. <laughs> yes, we, I'm talking about James you, Cameron Avatar. You're talking about, the mo- you're talking about like shooting on a mocap set and, and that sort of thing? Well, he, he put an announcement, an official announcement out, I think a few days ago, that was like, due to COVID, yada, 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 we are delaying all the Avatar releases. And he was st- saying specifically what they had accomplished and what they couldn't accomplish. And I'm pretty sure he said that um, VFX was in the works. So just because Jared, to the extent that I can relate that, you know, any kind Mm of um, film and television work that doesn't involve being in there in person um, seems to be still going. I would, I would say that's really interesting to think about. Wouldn't that be crazy if 2021 is just like all animated shit? Well, I mean, not (laughs) even that, but I'm wondering if it's a thing where studios have films that are potentially on the shelf and, you know, maybe there's a few things that got to fix up, maybe, you know, edit some scenes around so they can release them. I'm curious if they're kind of reaching into a bag of uh, desperation almost. Interesting. From what I've been hearing from the major studios and networks, they, because they are not making any money, they are not putting anything, any money into anything. Um, Mm. That's what I've been hearing. That would be interesting. That would be cool if that came of it. Um, But I hadn't necessarily heard anything about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that I mean, heck, what you just said, too, where it's kind of, you know, more smaller budget feel. I'm wondering if for the next couple of years, just to financially recover, you know, to make your books look better. I'm wondering if movies might get lower budgets, which could potentially benefit, but also could um, hurt it. You know, if it's a VFX heavy film, it could, you know, feel like it's very dated. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting to think about the VFX suffering. You know, necessity is the, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. So I wonder if we'll see like some really cool, uh, like techniques, uh, either in animation or, or in film for like dealing with a COVID set, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
I, I know you guys are aware of like uh, force perspective and like how you can make someone look bigger, like how they make Hagrid look huge by putting him in a different part of the set. Right. Uh, I wonder if they'll they'll be doing more of like that kind of stuff to keep actors distanced or like what other tricks might be invented or become more important now because of the way sets might need to be. It'll be really interesting to see and to hear from from Lindsay, of course, what uh, what's getting done differently on set because it could be it could be the case that some some really cool shit gets invented just because we got to find new ways to do stuff. The right there, what you just said, and again, I am not the one working on these sets. I know nothing of them. But what I'm thinking is the technology that they used for the Mandalorian with VR. Mm, What if they started Mm -hmm. doing two sets, you're in VR so you can communicate with other people, but you're separate from each other, and then they just mash it together? I would, for some, for a lot of movies, I bet that's the kind of stuff that they'll do. Yeah. That is interesting. It's tough to do without the budget, though. And Mandalorian had a crazy high budget to get to do. So, like, that's, and that's the other unfortunate thing. Um, is that the indies won't won't get to enjoy as much of that. But the indies have always been really inventive and had to cobble together stuff uh, and get really creative with the way and, and, you know, use trick things because they've always been on skinny budgets. So I, I think that they'll continue to continue to innovate yeah, um, yeah. with with some of their techniques it'll be it'll be really fan uh fascinating uh hit the hit the dinger for fascinating <laughs> um to uh to see how sets change it'll be it'll be really cool to watch yeah i think uh i think 2021 is gonna be when we hit i think everybody like i said based on my nbc um connections based on my dga big budget connections of things um, everybody's kind of banking on 2021 being better. And so I think, um, if it is, then there might not need to be much, um, need for that because everyone is kind of waiting till 2021, but if 2021 hits and we're still having issues, yeah, I think all the studios are going to start getting antsy about it and, and we will potentially see some interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know that, I was just talking to a DP friend of mine today and she was saying the first two days she was on set and they had her wearing a PPE because she was opping the camera close to the talent's face, which all makes sense. It's just, God, it's a bitch. (laughs) It's a bitch. (laughs) To be like doing our, our jobs with all that other shit on, um, it's, it's not ideal. Um, well, we're going to jump out of Kyle's court, uh, cause we got some stuff to review, but Lindsay, we thank you for your, um, your generosity of, of thought and opinion. And, uh, you can That's now, awesome, you can now step off of the bench. You're, you're finished with Kyle's court. All right, folks. Well, we, uh, we still have a lot to do yet here on the SoCo show. We got some things to review. And uh, we're going to start on the TV side of things. Let's jump in the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. All right, folks. we got a few things uh, that we're going to actually be reviewing today. We're going to, uh, the last thing we're going to do in the TV corner, we're going to go spoiler-free a little bit and talk about the Umbrella Academy, which we are all big fans of. And we're going to talk, talk a little bit about what's gone on in Season 2, maybe some Season 3 theories. So keep an ear out for the spoiler alert when we get to that. But we'll save that for the last part. Um, of the TV corner. Uh, but we have a few things to, to check out before we get to that point. And Lindsay, I actually want to start with you. Um, oh, great. Because I haven't talked th- enough. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> you'll get a break after this, but, um, but uh, this is a show Jared and I haven't seen. It's a Netflix show uh, with, I, I think, everyone's second favorite cast member from High School Musical. 
and uh, he's traveling around the world. I don't know what he's doing, but he's, he's teaching us some lessons from around the world here. Zacky Zach. That's what his close personal friends call him, so I'm told. Oh, I should have known. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was going to talk a little bit about uh, Down to Earth with Zach Efron, which I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I threw on on a day where I did not. I think I just finished Umbrella 2, and I did not have anything new to watch. Um, and I was just looking for something light and I truly just was like, sure. And threw it on. I'm not a major Zac Efron fan. I'm also not like a Zac Efron stan. I'm not like one of those girls that just thinks he's the hottest thing to walk the face of the earth. So I really did just throw it on randomly just to see what it was about. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Truly. Um, each episode they're in a different country and, um, they're in that specific country because that country has capitalized on or invented or mainstreamed um, some sort of sustainable solution to one of our Earth's problems, um, which is really, really dope. I, I think like most people on planet Earth right now, I would hope, am into the green movement and I'm trying to make my footprint smaller so that the Earth is still here, you know, in a couple whatever bajillion years that's not right. It's I know it's a more immediate issue, but maybe um, three years. Maybe three years. <laughs> Even, we just better get fucking tenant and the new mutants before the world ends. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be what does us in. New mutants comes out and the world's just gonna be like, okay, we're done. Um, but he even says in there, he says like the world will probably always still be here. We might just not be able to live on it. And so. What I really enjoy about it is there's dope cinematography there in really gorgeous places, of course. Um, and it doesn't feel, it almost feels to me, and I don't know how true this is, that it was a show pitched or created by somebody where they would travel the world and, yeah, and look at these cool things that different countries are doing, but they would do it with an expert in that field. And then somebody was like, we better get some sort of name in there to make this more interesting because Zach kind of plays that part. And I only say that because I want people to understand that it is a very good show with very factual information and um, that was, you know, well-researched and it's not just like they threw Zach in a plane and we're like, go travel the world. Like he, it's, he Mm -hmm. basically has a co-host who's like a, you know, in his, 40s or 50s and is a uh, I think they call him a superfood guru so this is what he does for a living he looks at sustainable solutions for things and uh, focuses on superfoods and stuff like that and there are things in there that are big concepts that I as a single human being don't have any way of implementing in my life but then there are things that are they talk uh, they're the second episode I believe they're in Paris I think Jared would have watched this one because I think he said he watched the first two um, and they're talking about the water quality. And it's one of the, the biggest mind fuckeries that I have experienced in my life, which is thinking about, especially me, I consume a lot of water. Um, I just make a point of doing that. And I have never once thought about like what I'm actually putting in my body. Like I have a Brita filter and everything, but that doesn't, that's not the end all be all. Um, and they're just talking about how like the majority of bottled water that you buy has animal feces, cleaning products, chemicals, and we're putting that in our bodies. And that's just um, bottled water? Yeah, dude. That's the majority of oh, bottled man. water. That's like your Aquafina. They Blech. test it and they find stuff like that. Um, 
And it just blew my mind. It blew my mind because you think, you know, we focus on the other things we put in our bodies. Like I'm like, oh, I try not to drink a lot of uh, soda because obviously we know that that has some carcinogenic effects on it, um, our bodies. And I try to make sure I wear sunscreen and I do all these other things to preserve my life to try to make sure that I don't get cancer. And yet there's a very good chance that I'm drinking cancerous water every day, um, especially in the US, especially in LA. They said specifically, there's a stat that the amount of chlorine in the Los Angeles water is 300 to 600 times the amount that our body is supposed to have per day, Ooh. which is fucking nuts um, because that's what we use to purify it because it was probably an easy, simple, cheap solution. But in Paris, they're oxygenizing their water to purify it, meaning they're just pumping oxygen into it. Because if there's a high amount of oxygen in water, no bacteria um, or chemicals can exist. So they're literally just pumping air in the thing. And it's doing a better hmm. job than our chlorine. And then they're not poisoning themselves. Yeah, it's stuff like that that just really opens your eyes to even more issues going on in, in the U.S., which... That's been a lot of my 2020 <laughs> has been realizing how fucked we are as a country. So um, I will I will say it's not like all depressing, awful things. And that episode isn't even tonally depressing, but it's um, it's very interesting uh, for anyone who, like me, is really feeling the lack of ability to travel right now. It kind of scratched my travel itch because I got to see some cool places that I would like to go see and really like learn some really interesting information um and zach is fun like him and him and um darren who's like the co-host with him are fun goofballs they're just goofing around they've got like a crew of like five guys with them it feels very organic and indie and like they just did and said whatever they want and it's fun to watch i will say they have zach narrating it like afterwards you know like he went in a booth and said the audio like some little sounders to put in over uh, and it's corny as fuck, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> there was one episode where they were making chocolate and they had him go, oompa loompa, doopity doo. And I almost <laughs> lost my shit. I was like this. I was like, why didn't he push back on that one? Like that, that, that should have been, that's the time to be like, I'm Zac Efron. I'm not saying oompa loompa, doopity doo. Like I'm just not. <laughs> oh, I would definitely say oompa loompa, doopity doo. <laughs> you gotta... You gotta fit that into a review, Jared. Oh, you can do the do the you gotta do the head shake and the nod. Oompa loompa. Oompa loompa. Doopity doo. Oh, That's my God. sign off now. Uh, check out Down to Earth with Zach Efron. This is on Netflix now. You can watch it. Um, Jared, I want to go to you now for a show that you cannot watch right now. You got an early screener uh, of a few episodes of a show that's coming up, and this is one of my very highly anticipated shows here. So I'm hoping you have good news. Yes, um, yes. From what you've seen so far. Um, I think we were both anticipated. I think we, we talked off air a couple times about this, but this is an HBO Max, I believe, show called Lovecraft Country. The first episode, I think they release every single week, but the first episode comes out this Sunday, August 16th. And essentially the concept of this show is it's set in 1950s America. It's following some black folks and... Uh, the the main character is Atticus Black. He is played by Jonathan Majors, and it's kind of like this road trip mystery type story because they're looking for his father. So it's himself, it's his uncle, and then ch kind of a childhood friend played by Journey Smollett, I believe. Uh, she was also Black Canary in Birds of Prey. They go on a road trip looking for 
their their father. Um, so you know they're they're dealing with the problems of 1950s America. You know, spoiler, it's racist. Um, but they also throw in the fact that they're dealing with H.P. Lovecraft creatures, lore, just weird things. And if you're not familiar with it, it's it's like, for example, the Cthulhu. Like that. That's a good uh, example of just like weird creatures that come out of nowhere. So oh. it's this great mixture of this, you know, mystery. Um, also, like a drama dealing with the times, very much kind of you know some historical elements like. The first, the first episode is by far what, like, a great example of what I hope the whole show is. Again, I've only seen five episodes, but the first episode gives you the racial tensions that they deal with, the 1950s uh, aesthetic that they're dealing with, which I think that they really nailed that aesthetic. It felt like that time, um, but also the first 30 seconds to a minute, you're like, okay, this series is going to be weird because I want to say what it is, but I don't want to ruin it because you got to watch it and be like, okay, I'm in or I'm out. And I was 100% (laughs) in when they did this in the first minute. But the first episode, like I said, hits on everything. It's brutal. It's very dark. The creatures look fantastic and goofy, or not goofy, but very weird. Um, Like I said, it's HP Lovecraft. Very, very unique for sure. Um, First episode, absolutely loved. I'm curious what the next five will be because like I said, I've only seen the first five. I think that it strays a little bit here or there because it kind of has that main through line of, you know, this mystery. We're looking for this person and then you bring in kind of this magic or lore or other things. And believe me, there's some episodes that are kind of like uh, just a uh, look at a single person and how they deal with the something potentially being mm-hmm. out of their skin or being in someone else's shoes. But there's also episodes that dive into almost like this adventure um, action, almost like an Indiana Jones type story. Um, so each episode almost has its own kind of theme or thing that they're going for. Um, but also it ties into what's with some historical elements. Like I think episode three ties in with a real list a real thing that happens in Chicago at that time and it kind of shows you like well this is what happened and sure it's maybe a spin into the HP Lovecraft lore but I really liked how they're pulling in these historical elements but then putting a twist on it um like I said it has the main through line it strays a few times but I liked where it kind of goes I'm curious what uh five six seven eight nine ten episodes have in store because if it's anything like the first five i think it'll be a pretty solid uh season uh throughout um i think that this is one that you should definitely check out i think it's going to be weekly on the platform uh hbo max uh each episode is about an hour i believe so definitely check this out if you're looking for like you know like i said that kind of action adventure weird factor but also um just great acting like i like i said i i really appreciated and liked everyone that was turning in uh performances here i it, you said exactly what i hoped you would say uh, yeah and, and I, I and that's the I'm thing is like i want other people to see this so i can talk to them about it <laughs> yeah i one of my favorite things uh, one of my favorite, I guess it's a trope really, is um, alternative histories with like, you know, um, like we saw this, Tarantino is a good example of this. We saw this in um, the second season of Umbrella Academy. We'll talk about that some more. Yep. Um, 112263, the oh, Stephen King book and series, um, where it's 
history happened the way that you know it happened, but for this supernatural reason. I love when they do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So to hear you say that they're going to retread some of the things um, from the 50s and the racial element and the monsters, I, I am all in on this. I cannot wait to check this out. I'll probably watch it every week. And and uh, that's the thing is, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because like there were some things that I like paused the episode and I Googled it. I'm like, okay, like I taught myself or I learned something of 1950s America that I had no clue even happened or existed before. Yeah, I agree. I've watched stuff like that too. And that's so fun. I Because I love, I liked history a lot in school and I still do. And I like when, yeah, someone will reference something and I'm like, clearly I should know what they're talking about. But I, I like, yeah, pausing and learning like that too, Jared. I dig this. Lovecraft Country. Sounds like it's living up to the hype. I'm on board 100%. Yeah, if anything, watch episode one. If you like it, you'll like the rest. If you don't, probably walk away. Okay. Because episode <laughs> one is the show. I like it. That's a great pointer. This is Lovecraft Country coming soon on HBO Max. Getting a thumbs up uh, from Jared here. And, and we're going to shift... Uh, I don't think there are enough thumbs to put up for this next show we're going to talk about. Um, we had the the final season of Shit's Creek, which <gasps> is uh, pop TV. A lot of people are at least tangentially aware of Shit's Creek, even if they're not watching it. And we're a little bit behind on this. The season ended a few months back, but Lindsay and I have finally caught up to the last season, the finale, the final season um, of Shit's Creek. And so we wanted to talk about it. Um, a little bit. So if you've never seen Shit's Creek, first of all, you're about to get it recommended about times a thousand. Yes. Um, but uh, we, we won't ruin too much for you here. This is the story of a, an incredibly rich family um, who uh, gets all their money taken away because of some shady business dealings that happened. And so they're now poor and they're forced to move to this small Canadian town and the town is called Shit's Creek. And um, they're forced to live in a hotel there as a family motel. and get used to a motel. Yeah, really small little roadside motel as a family and uh, learn how to be blue collar individuals. And and what you see is them kind of shift and change over time and and develop as as characters into people who eventually aren't the worst people in because they are they're the worst fucking people ever in the beginning of the show. So you see them kind of become humanized over the course of the series by the small town that they live in. And that's the entire show. It's rich people took their money away and you put them in a shitty little town. And what they did, I think on this, that that works, uh, one of the many things that works so well here is that there is a, a ton of really great and really well fleshed out characters who are acted by actors who understand those characters well and and dwell in them very nicely. And so when you start to get used to Shit's Creek, you understand, you feel like you're in rhythm with the show. It's kind of like uh, any really good ensemble cast does this. You've seen it on The Office and Parks and Scrubs and these things where Friends. you see a character on screen, Friends is another one. You see a character on screen and you're like, I got a pretty good idea of what you're going to say. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Not, not like it's predictable, but you, uh, you get to know the characters in a, in a way that feels really real. Um, the show dives into a lot of, uh, LGBTQ territory, um, in a way that is, is interesting. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but, um, the creators of the show, Eugene Levy, who, you know, probably is the dad from American pie. Um, who, if you, if that's all you know him from, that is so unfortunate because he's a comedy legend. 
um, and has done so many other great things. But his son, Dan Levy, um, co-created the show with Eugene. And so uh, the two of them are in it. Uh, uh, Dan's sister is also in it. She plays a character. She doesn't play his sister in the show. She plays another character, which I think is funny. Catherine O'Hara, who's another comedy legend, you probably know her as the mom from Home Alone. Um, she is the mom in the show. And there's a whole bunch of other uh, actors you weren't aware of that are so great in this. And I think uh, uh, that the thing that I really love about Schitt's Creek, and and I'm not even talking specifically about season six. Season six is fantastic. It's great. It fits in with the whole rest of the show. Um, but just more in general than that, this is true of season six and of the whole show. It just is always good and happy. Um, yeah. That's not to say that's not to say that it's devoid of of sad scenes. Those exist, but never in a way that's like dark and gritty. And it feels like everything else on TV and in movies is trying to somehow be edgy or dark or gritty. And this show just isn't wanting to do that. And so it operates in this space that uh, I, it, it seems like like other shows should be in, but they're just not. And so that's like my biggest takeaway from it is is not only how well the whole thing is set up and how well it's acted and, and how well it's structured, but uh, just the tone tonally, it's just a happy and nice show. So that's what I love about it. And there's there's a million things that we could talk about, Lindsay, but like what stands out to you? Because I know you're a huge fan as well uh, now, that, now that you've seen all of Schitt's Creek. Yeah, um, I concur with everything you've said. Um, we both Cody and I watched this little, you know, tribute doc to the show ending today. And one of the things they say on there that just, I think, put it so perfectly is that like Shit's Creek is the world you want to live in. Like, and I know that sounds crazy, especially considering everything he just said about this shitty little town. But I say that in the sense that it is an idyllic, happy version of the world. Um, especially when they're addressing the LGBTQIA plus stuff. Um, meaning that um, it is one of the first times I've ever seen an LGBT, I'm not going to say the acronym again, um, storyline that is not rooted in, I think he, the guy that was saying this is like rooted in strife and difficulty. And like, we overcame this and we overcame the world not being supportive of gay relationships. We, we overcame our parents not approving and just puts you in a world where there is a gay relationship and nobody questions it. And I think that that is amazing because why not? Why, why shouldn't we just lead by example? They're talking about how, uh, you know, whenever you try to teach somebody something or force something on them heavy handedly, people reject it just in in life in general and so by just being like we're going to show you a world where everyone is cool with this um is the best way to introduce that to a maybe less receiving audience um which i thought was very smart and but also i know based on them talking about it that it wasn't even something they did intentionally they weren't like you know the masterminds behind how we're gonna do this it just was dan being like, this is the world that I want to portray. And it's one where, yeah, everyone gets along and we don't have to deal with, I don't know, more more controversial topics, kind of, right? Yeah, that's the other thing, I guess, that I'll, I'll switch gears to because I forgot the thought I wanted to make. Um, 
the the Shit's Creek of it all. Like early on in the series, they make they make jokes about the fact that it's called Shit's Creek, and then they kind of they, those kind of go away and come back at different points in the series. But like, at, we talk about the show and having all this heart and and being such a perfect example of a sitcom, but it really is hilarious. Oh, also, yeah. and that's something I forgot to mention. I laugh. There is not an. I watched the the whole last season over the past four days or so, and I there was not a single episode where I didn't like gut bust laugh like really hard at it. Oh, and so it's it's there's just there's just there's the dialogue in it is very great. The delivery of some even very simple little things, uh, like the way that David um, the David character will like <laughs> he'll he'll like show uh, show shock or show like surprise or like incredulity and he'll show it in his face without even saying anything. Just like that. What the fuck yeah. look. And it makes me laugh every time he does it. And just though, even the little subtleties of all these different characters. But I think what stands out to me, um, in season six, uh, besides how funny it is really is that the heart and for people who have maybe seen all five seasons and are, ha- haven't yet seen season six. Um, first of all, don't watch it without like tissues um, I, th- there was like probably over half the episodes I cried at least a little bit, um, from happy things. And that's, that's what it's so strange about the show. Like really happy things happen and I'm crying over them. Uh, and that's how, that's how I know the show is different because I don't typically do that. Um, certainly not for half hour, you know, sitcoms. Every character feels like your friend and every character gets a, a satisfying conclusion to their arc and they all do have arcs. Um, and it ju- it's as good a wrap-up season as I've seen at all. Lindsay, you had, to be a- you had to have been also pretty satisfied with the way they wrapped everything up. Oh, absolutely. Um, I-, I will piggyback off of what you're saying and say that I am very sensitive to when I love something, like really love a piece of film or television, it's because there is flawless writing unbelievably great character development. I really like character pieces as we'll discuss umbrella in a hot second. I like fully developed, very interesting characters, well acted. And, and then I like it to really walk that line of comedic and heartfelt. I even, I would put most of the Marvel stuff in there. That's the reason I like Marvel is because you get comedy with the action, but there are heartfelt moments in there too, where you're, yeah, you're crying, you're crying. Um, and so I think Shits has done that consistently all the way through, all the way through the sixth season. I don't think there's a weak season. A lot of shows end up mm-hmm. having a weak season. I think um, every character is so specific. Even, um, you know, the way they deliver their lines, the way that they talk, they all have such specific ways of talking and uh yeah right <laughs> i'm doing just a quick rolodex of the characters in my head and i'm right? picturing there's a character who's a mechanic named bob and he just <laughs> he has this he, he walks into the room and he has this weird little gate that he like he like he like jogs into every room with this like weird smile on his face and then like claps his hands and says a line and he does it every time and it's never not hilarious to me it's so oh my god bob you would love bob and truly i had they all have little things like that that's hysterical oh yeah now you can picture it oh yes oh absolutely i absolutely they've all got those little like the hand gestures that like david and especially alexis she does her hands a lot and the the accent for moira 
and like the the uh Roland's wife character how she's always like smiling through like some Whatever pain she's, she's in like yeah <laughs> yeah and 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 Roland never fucking know. like they all just so perfectly fit where they're supposed to yeah and that you're right it is so specific cuz they're all very very quirky none of them really feel like a trope at all that's the other right. thing that is really um surprising is they it seems to be it, there's nothing groundbreaking really about the show other than the fact that it just kind of is. I know it's funny um, to even try to talk about like why it's good. Um, other yeah. than it's just, yeah, it's characters that you've never seen before doing talking, being in ways that you've never seen before. The mark of a good sitcom is yeah, really solid character development, which they've got in spades. It's not even a question. Like there's nobody I dislike when they're on the screen in that show, um, including mm-hmm. all the smaller supporting, but of course the big ones. And um, yeah, going into the sixth season, they kept that strong and they chose to end it um, on their own terms, which is something that I love that we're seeing so much more of nowadays. You know, we, we came from the generation of let's see how long we can stretch this show, um, mm-hmm. which is shit. And, and it ends up becoming shit. There aren't too many shows that have done that, that um, like are still quality and of the same quality by the time that they finish and inevitably get canceled. When, when we see shows choose to end, um, that's when we've really seen the best content. And that's, it's a cool that that's something that we're like allowing to happen now in the industry mm-hmm. and not just milking it for every fucking penny it can bring in. So um, as sad as I am to see shits go, it uh, it felt like a good time. We got to a place where their arcs naturally ended, and that's why it'll live on as a great show, because, you know, it's got six unbelievably solid seasons. We cannot recommend Shit's Creek enough. Like, if you're a fan of any, if you like, if you like anything that's 30 minutes and funny, watch Shit's Creek. Jared, I know you've seen some of this. Like, you're getting, we're putting it on the list. You got to start this at the beginning and watch it all the way through. It's yeah. it's as close to a perfect sitcom as I've seen in, in a long, long time. Everybody needs to check this out. We're going to, and I uh, highly recommend the little documentary that they put together. It's about an hour long. Uh, Lindsay mentioned it. It's on the Pop TV app. So once you're done, watch the whole last season first. And then uh, and then watch the documentary. It's pretty interesting. And, and it's a nice um, nice way to kind of, tie yourself together after the end of the show um and yes. it's a nice send-off so, and it's called so check that out as best well. wishes warmest regards which is an inside joke from the show it's one of the best jokes that they make if you <laughs> if you've watched shits yep so there you go shits creek uh we gotta shift gears to another show uh that we all love a lot and it's the umbrella academy um, and because of where we're at time-wise, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna save any spoiler-free time. We're going right into spoilers. So if you don't want to hear, if you haven't caught up with uh, Umbrella Academy, skip this. Um, so because you're gonna have some shit spoiled. So we're gonna go right into spoilers for Umbrella Academy. Skip forward if you don't want to hear them. S P O I L spoil. Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. You ruined it, and I'm leaving. All right. There's the spoiler drop. Um, Umbrella Academy season two, you guys, we, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks. Uh, we reviewed the first season a couple weeks ago. Then we came back last week and did the second season. Uh, and we knew we needed to have Lindsay on because Lindsay, this is one of your favorite shows. I know, especially <laughs> lately, you and I have talked about it a shitload. Um, but Jared, I want to start with you because 
you did a deep dive on season two uh, and you went into the ending explained. I know that you enjoyed season two, but like what's what what are some of the things that you haven't been able to talk about so far that are maybe spoiler territory that really stuck out to you as some of your favorite things from the second season? I think uh, the the very end. I mean, if you guys want to talk about the very end of uh, the fact that they come back, you know, they, they stop the apocalypse in the 60s or what? Well, yeah, the 60s. They come back mm-hmm. to ni- tw- uh, 2019. It's the day after the first apocalypse. And um it's not them anymore. Like the 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 five or six of the academy is no longer there. It is now instead of the Umbrella Academy, it is now the Sparrow Academy. Like that is one thing that I was kind of like, oh crap! Like what is going on? Where's this gonna go? Um, I'm curious to kind of hear what your guys' thoughts are because I did. I had to jump over to the comics and kind of read up on what the hell is going on. I was I avoided doing the comics because. Um, I did read some of the, I went on Wikipedia and looked at some of the, uh, some of the plot from the second volume of comics, which season two is based on. And I actually had the Hargreaves as an alien thing spoiled for me by doing that. And, uh, it's not, you know, the biggest spoiler in the show or anything. And, and ultimately it doesn't really mean anything yet, but, um, that made me go, okay, I'm not going to look at any of the comics. So I haven't looked forward to see maybe what they might be leading into, but I love that it seems like it's going to be a whole new eclectic cast of characters with their own wacky powers. You got a floating box for some fucking reason. <laughs> um, Wait, and my what? favorite thing about it, yeah, yeah one, like of the, one of the things standing up there is a cube just floating on its own, and they don't explain why. Obviously, at the end when they show this, the the other academy people standing there oh. um, in the silhouette, there's a floating cube there, and you can see it like enhanced online. People pointing it out. Okay. Um, but I don't know what the fuck that is. But my favorite thing about Sparrow Academy, other than what it sets up, which I think is inevitably going to be a battle between the two groups. Um, my favorite thing, though, is that we keep Ben around because I yeah. really loved what they did with Ben in season two. And I know, Lindsay, you like that a lot, too. Yeah, I'd like to see him get to do something because I thought when they basically kill him off officially, finally, I was like sad because he didn't really get to do all that much. And I felt bad for the actor and I would have liked to see if he had some more in him. So I, yeah, I am excited to get to see him do something there. It'll be, yeah, a new, another new entity, which I'm always game for. Yeah. It's going to be the things that they've set up. And that's what I think is cool about the time travel element of the show, because they've been able to play around in a few sandboxes and it's really hard to have multiple apocalypses in the same show Mm -hmm. and have it not, uh, and have it not seem really stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the way that they've hi- handled time travel, I feel like they've earned that. And in season three, they'll probably tell us there's another apocalypse and, and we will all not care. Um, so I, I think that the way they've handled time travel has been really cool. And specifically in season two, the way that they they kind of dropped everyone into these different scenarios in the 60s. Um, and And we had to see them go through their different paths. And for me, I think... Um, Allison and her part in in the civil rights movement and her arc, she gets married and and her having to eventually leave her husband. That was probably my favorite of the of the of the the main cast and and their sort of trips through their their time in the '60s. That was my favorite one that stuck out. I was curious what what character and the, and what story you liked the most from from that part. Yeah, I think the Allison one was one that probably had the most impact because it's like, oh, it's taken on, you know, kind of, uh, you know, realistic uh, historical elements that, you know, we kind of touched on in Lovecraft Country. Um, uh, 
Mm-hmm. I think that Luther's was one that it had a little bit of significance because, you know, it's diving in with Jack Ruby and whatnot. But I think that his was kind of abandoned, you know, probably halfway through or once we're kind of introduced to his character. Sure, if you know your history, mm-hmm. Jack Ruby ties in with Oswald, who ties in with Kennedy and all of that stuff. So that was kind of interesting. But I think that the one was um, Klaus and then Ben because, you know, you get you get both of them there. But also it's very goofy and weird where he essentially starts a cult and then, uh, you know, he dives back into alcohol. And that that scene where he's just essentially kicks open the doors of uh, a, a liquor store and just goes up and down. The, by sticks, yeah. The yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I was like, this is quarantine this 100% is what I'm doing with my life right now. So <laughs> I, I very much connected to that scene. Oh, man. I know you're a big Klaus lover, Lindsay. Was he your top one or who did you like? I mean, anytime Klaus or number five is on screen, I'm happy. I think they are. I just, you know, it's it's almost unfair to the other characters just because they've got the most fun stuff to do. Like, let's just be honest. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. I don't really see that ever changing, um, but I'm okay with that. I think... I actually really enjoyed Vanya this season because we got to see her do something really different and really kind of see like who she would have been, could have been, what her personality would have looked like um, if she wasn't in these shitty circumstances, you know, if she wasn't Mm -hmm. being shit on by dad all the time and who knows what the drugs that they had her on was doing to her personality, you know, and stuff like that. So I thought... That was cool for me to see because she wasn't such a sad sack. I thought that was fun to see her like kind of like happy chipper and and stuff like that. I'll It'll be cool to see what she's like now season three, right? Because she got all of her memories back. So now it's like, mm-hmm. are we going to have this kind of in-between version of Anya where she's got some of that, but then she's... Yeah, so well, I'm I'm intrigued to see where she goes. Did you guys think that the Swedes hit on that level that... Uh... Uh, Hansel and uh, Cha Cha did. What? Uh, what especially? Or Hazel, um, rather. My bad. Hazel. Yeah. What Hazel I think brought was a humility to that side, and Cha Cha and the Swedes just don't have that. They're just mechanical mm-hmm. uh, and just death machines. And so I like Hazel the best out of all those. I was I was kind of sad. Um, I thought I was hoping we'd get a lot more of him. Um, I was I was happy for his character, uh, the way they introduced him and said, you know, he got to live out a life with Agnes. I, I, I really liked that. I thought that was sweet. But I was hoping to see more of him. I enjoyed the sweets as a, you know, Terminator style mechanical, they're showing up someone's dead uh, device. But they, they definitely didn't give us the depth, I think, that that you got from season one's villains. Yeah, I um, it, it is interesting because funny enough, one of the things that I had said consistently um, with enjoying about season one is that they humanized our bad guys. Um, but also that we got like full plot arcs and stuff from them. Right. Because yep. yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of times our bad guys are like my, here's my character. I'm the bad guy. I show up and I kill everyone you love. My motives, there aren't really any, but that's, that's just what <laughs> I do. Um, mm-hmm. and we've kind of all just come to accept that. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I really liked, I really, really liked diving into Hazel and Chacha. And I know that Cody did too. Cause yeah, we had talked about being excited to see them in season two. And then I know Jared had said something in like last week's podcast, uh, alluding to the fact that, uh, he was unhappy with the Swedes and I will agree with you, Jared. I was that, that was one of the definitely bigger weaknesses, um, from this past season. I don't know 
what that was about, talking about it with my friends. Um, they, one of them uh, hypothesized that they were a big part of the comics um, mm -hmm. and that they felt the need to make them a big part of the show and then kind of didn't know what to do with them because it's an, there, there's an odd amount of attention and that is the problem. Because had they just been the ones to show up and kill everybody and then leave, like you said, like if, if we really got no backstory, if we did not see them unless they were with our leads, you know, but we have scenes where it's just them in that house, the cat lady house. And we're supposed to be like gaining something from that, but none of them talk. So we don't have any dialogue. And it's just like, they spent <laughs> an odd amount of attention on them. And that to me was, who knows, you know, what that looked like in script form or in production form when they were actually shooting it. But that's an editing flaw to me. Because it's like, by the time you get to the edit, if if they're not really serving much of a purpose, they just should have cut more scenes out. Like I said, I never, because they don't even fucking talk, <laughs> I, never, I never needed to see them if they weren't interacting with our characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they could have, yeah. like you're saying, they could have been just that Terminator-esque figure that shows up every now and then, and it's trouble, rather than, okay, well, they took over this house, they, uh, I guess, are friendly with cats, um, I mean, <laughs> they did, I will say that they had some kind of cool uh, scenes where, you know, when they first go to the, the, like, dinner party, they crash it, and they're having a fight with, uh, Diego and five in the hallway. That's kind of cool, you know, action. Oh, but yeah. also, I got a kick out of the Viking style uh, uh, funeral where they had mm. the Swedish version of uh, yes. Hello by Adele. Uh, Adele, I think it was. Like, I think it was yep. just the fact of, like, you can see that, okay, they, they were very close knit. There was emotion, and that song just, you know, very much moved me. But other than that, it's like I didn't get anything from them compared to, you know, the, the relationship from the first season of the villains there or essential villains, I guess. I wish the Swedes, and you're, you're revealing to me even more. I, I didn't love the Swedes. I was like, they're fine. And now you're making me realize, yeah, they, they really were, were weird. They were and weird. I want to, I want to talk about uh, uh, going back to setting things up for a potential season three. Um, the I think a potential villain that we might have on our hands, in addition to the Sparrow Academy, we now have this kid who Vanya has gifted him some powers, um, and we see his creepy little ass grinning, and he's floating a little toy sparrow, which is a funny touch, mm -hmm. um, in his hands. Um, I'm wondering if, do you guys think he'll be part of the Sparrow Academy, or do you think he's another thing entirely, and, and that he's going to circle back around and become either a villain or, or maybe a good guy down the road? But he's got to come back around, you'd expect, right? So my first theory is yes, but then if you think about the age and whatnot, he'd probably be, what, almost 60 um, in 2019. Mm. So I could see him potentially being a mentor to a different group, Um Again, who knows if he really has a sinister side to him. I mean, again, who knows what's going to happen to him in the next 50 years or however long it is. Um, I don't know. I'm curious what you guys have to think about it or say about it. And then then that might mold my uh, my thoughts or my opinions, I guess. Um, all I will say is that him levitating that sparrow does not seem like a funny little thing to me. It seems like there must be a... I feel like yeah. there's got to be a strong tie-in to that mm -hmm. um i don't know what it is because you're right the age age thing always makes it interesting because we were even trying to figure out 
if any of those people, any of our other regulars in that season uh, could still be alive in 2019. Um, and he's really the only one because of how young he is. Um, so yeah, and I, but you're right, he would still be 60. So I don't know. I think um, he could still be like very Professor X, 60 and powerful as fuck. And mm-hmm. he could still be our bad guy. It doesn't matter that he's that old. I definitely feel like he's going to play a major role. I just don't know what it mm-hmm. is. Um, there's also, you know, he's got powers that we don't understand or know anything about now. So who knows what it would do to the aging process or mm-hmm. where yeah, we're going to go in thing. time. Who has any clue? But like I said, the fact that that thing is called the Sparrow Academy and he was doing that with that Sparrow, to me, as a filmmaker, has got to be a direct correlation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what he will have to do with it. Um, but I'm very intrigued to see. That's the Chekhov's gun, right? If you, uh, <laughs> if you show a gun on screen, you have to shoot it. Um, <laughs> that's a fascinating thing to me. Uh, fascinating ding. I hope he's an old man. I, I, I know we're going to see him. I hope it's as an old man because I think that would be a great way to bring him in is here's this old man. We're not aware yet of who he is. And then he shows us either by levitating something or by saying that he's that kid. Um, oh, interesting. That would that I think would be a really fun reveal uh, and a fun scene for so season we gotta, three. So we got to add in that he's autistic. Mm-hmm. So it's also like, what does that look like? Yeah, that that would be interesting. Because the other thing too, and I, I maybe I'm not sure. Maybe I'm making something out of nothing. But I'm wondering if you guys may, might have picked up on something of this too. But it seemed to me like he seemed more in control of himself after he got yep after that scene. Like at the end, he seems more. I'm not saying his autism is gone or fixed, but he seems to be more in control. So I'm wondering if the power has adjusted his personality already or at least given him more, like maybe he's going to speak yeah. now. He might've even said a word um, at the end there, but that I just left with the inclination that he's somehow more capable than he was now, even besides the ability to levitate shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel, I think a few things like, yeah, now, now that we're talking about the age, it could be almost like, you know, the, the protet or, antagonist to uh hargraves you know they could potentially be around the same age where it's like oh now they have these dueling groups against one another um another fun thing that i kind of put together and who knows if it's uh anything but you know they're driving off to new mexico and in the 60s and whatnot roswell new mexico and aliens and stuff so i kind of tied that in as well but also it came out two or three days before the season two dropped the announcement of the fourth volume of the comics was titled Sparrow Academy. So obviously some sort of the lore and the comics is going to be tying in with this. Um, but what the hell is this Sparrow Academy? No one knows. I love this. I'm so excited. I love where we're at. Um, I hate that we have to wait for more of this, but I, I love that they left it in a place that seems like it feels like a satisfying end to what we've seen so far, but also sets up great stuff. And, uh, a lot of things, a lot of season finales don't nail that, but I think they did. Um, we'll go around the horn one more time. Uh, any any last thing you want to say about Umbrella Academy before we wrap this part up? Lindsay, you can go first. <laughs> oh, God. Um, just that in the similar vein of what I was saying about um, shits, it's like I really like when there is strong character development. Um, it feels like, Um, honestly, if we were going to compare three of my favorite things from this past few months, it would be um, Hamilton, Schitt's Creek, and Umbrella Academy, and what they all have in common is that 
there was one brain, um, one artistic brain who had a full-fledged idea, wrote a full-fledged thing, and then it was brought into uh, fame, you know? Just meaning that, like, when you don't see a bunch of cooks in the kitchen and no one's pressuring them to, like, get something out, you get, like, a really cool... Yeah, strong vision from a singular mind. And I think that that's very evident in all three of those things. Uh, And I would say that that is true of Umbrella Academy too, Gerard Way and um, his very great world creating, um, world building and character development um, is super interesting and uh, enjoyable to continue to explore. I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with the next one too. I, I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, season one, season two. I think the music, I, I very much think that whoever's picking the music for these scenes, yeah. they they know what they're doing. And um, again, I, I did a bunch of research for my ending explained poorly. So if it dives into any of the weird stuff in volume three and four of the comics or the hinted at volume four, that one's not out right now. Um, we're going to see some weird stuff and I'm very excited for it. Yes, I love weird shit. I cannot wait for more. That would be my thing is like, as much as I love what's happened, I'm I'm even more excited to see what comes next. And at this point, I don't feel like we can really be surprised by anything. Um, and so if we're going to get some crazy ass, you know, if uh, Pogo is at the monkey, if he comes back and he's got six arms and can fly, like I, <laughs> that's not even going to be surprising <laughs> to me at this point. Like you just have, it's one of those shows you just have to strap in and be like, all right, everything that happens is, is can happen you know you can't go in with skepticism of like how can this world work um and and i'm really interested to see with the freedom that they've earned now um how much how wacky they get Uh, i think it'll be really fun to see so we're gonna bring back our uh spoiler crowd who who didn't want to hear about umbrella academy um but suffice to say we all very much like umbrella academy and are excited to see um what we have in season three. And so we're going to wrap up there. It's been a a lot of TV. I I, frankly, without Seth, basically, I don't care how long the show goes. So um, (laughs) we are going to wrap that portion up. That's the end of this week's TV corner. Television. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Alrighty. Well, we got some more stuff to review. Um, It's not going to be in TV though. We're going to switch over to the world of movies. Here's what we saw this last week. Mom. What do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right. So we got a couple new movies and then a preview uh, of something that's yet to come out. So Jared, why don't we start with you here? Um, One of, uh, well, you've seen all three of these, but I want to start with, um, uh, I (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it other than it's like a dance. Is it like a new teen dance movie? Yeah. You're going to have to tell me more. Yeah. You know, you basically hit it. It's a Netflix movie. It's called work it. Um, and basically (laughs) you just, you, you nailed it. Um, it kind of follows, you know, since the three of us were all in a dance group in uh, college, like that part of the movie kind of clicked with me. But basically the premise of this movie is uh, Sabrina Carpenter. Uh, she is this kind of overachiever in high school. She's hitting all of these check boxes, you know, of like you need to do this, 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 this to get into college. But then when she goes and applies, they're like, well, what what extra career? curriculars are you in and she lies and says she's in a dance group she's never danced and then she has to essentially through this roundabout way put together a rival dance squad against their award-winning 
squad that they already have at the school and you know you can see how a ragtag group of kids who have never danced how a little bit of you know dancing horrible you know too many left feet uh can turn out but then when they get a good teacher of you know uh an alumni essentially who's disappeared for a while um teaches them um it's i wouldn't say that this is anything new um you've kind of seen this premise before maybe in different uh genres not really dancing but potentially you know some sports movies and stuff like that um i really I, I had a fun time with it. I think it was almost this nostalgic type feeling. Um, it does have this message of like, hey, um, don't necessarily do all these things that, you know, maybe your parents or society or everything has in store for you. Like, hey, you need to do this, do this, do this. Um, maybe go outside of that. Go outside of your comfort zone. Find something you truly love and kind of follow, you know, your dreams. Uh, I, I mean, I'm being all like, oh, yeah, follow your dreams. But it does kind of have that message in there. Um, the ragtag group of kids I had a fun time with. That You don't get a focus on them that much. It's mainly the main character, her best friend, and then this alumni teacher that um, eventually develops a relationship with uh, the Sabrina Carpenter character. I thought it was fun. I mean, it's not going to be anything that's new, going to break the mold. Um, it's a Netflix movie. Turn it on. Have a good time with it, I, I would say. That could almost be a sitcom plot. It's yeah. so it's so tropey. Like, oh, I got the rival, the plucky little dance group that could because college admissions won't accept me without like cultural world experience. Which yes. is the plot of like twenty five <laughs> different movies where they end up they create a fucking science project or they go talk to nerds for the first time or they start dancing or cheerleading or whatever the fuck. So yeah, that's uh, but you know that's not always the the worst thing. Uh, an updated version of of some tropey material mm-hmm. is sometimes still good. I'm curious about, um, so I think the character that that's the teacher, who's the really good dancer in this, Jordan Fisher, um, I'm aware of him as an actor and as a singer, and I know he's been big on Broadway lately, and he's a pretty popular individual, and someone that I like. I'm curious what you thought of him acting and dancing in this, like, was he, because I'm, I may see this for the dance, but I'm specifically looking to see, like, mm-hmm. if he's good in it, so yeah. he, would you say he was a, a good part of the I, I would movie? say that, yeah, again, he is a spoiler, you know, he is the love interest of sorts, he is the alumni, and I, I liked how they kind of introduced him, you know, his dancing, and I, I liked him, again, he is not given much aside, I mean, Sabrina Carpenter, who I guess I didn't even realize she's more of a singer and then has slowly drifted into acting she was in um uh the hate you give she was like kind of the friend or side character in that movie oh shit um yeah i i had no clue either um she's you know the main character some other like youtuber eliza kosh koshi i think um she was very funny but yeah like you're saying what was it jordan fisher is that his name Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I. I. thought he was fine. I wouldn't say that like this is a standout. Again, I don't know what else he has done, but I thought that the handful of scenes that he was given to dance, I thought that you know he he did what was asked of him. A little bit. It sounds sounds popcorny, but uh, occasionally that sounds like it could be fun. This is uh, this is work it with an exclamation point, uh, and it's available on Netflix now. You can watch that anytime you want. Um, another film that you can watch right now uh, by way of HBO Max is American Pickle. Uh, This is Seth Rogen, and he is playing an individual who uh, fell into a vat of pickle juice in 1919 (laughs) and was perfectly preserved and kept alive for 100 years, wakes up in 2019 and meets his great, great, or great, I think one great grandson, who is also Seth Rogen, and, and wacky situations ensue from there, but that's the setup. 
Um, I thought this movie was interesting in that it, it went to places I didn't expect it to go to. I'm not necessarily saying that's a good thing, though. Um, because there are portions of this movie that I really enjoyed and other parts I thought were really dumb. Mm, um, which is funny to say in a movie that's barely 90 minutes. Um, really? But I will, uh, what I will say is my favorite part and that what I really enjoyed about this was there is a, there's a real sweetness to, um, the first few scenes where they're, where both Seth Rogans are together and you're seeing, this guy wake up after a hundred years. He realizes, you know, his family's gone. He's learning a little bit more about what his family's done in the last hundred years. And he's discovering some of what's gone on, uh, and, and you know, what technology is doing and how life has changed in America. That I think is the really great stuff of this movie. And I think they did that with some heart and with some laughs that were effective. And then there's this other subplot where the two of them kind of become competitors and that's where this movie loses me. And <laughs> and it, it, it tries to get a lot of its um, tension and its drama from there. And I didn't need that at all. And I, it seemed to me like they ran out of the good stuff and then had to invent that whole thing to fill out 90 minutes. But I think, I think what you had here was a really good idea. And then maybe they just ran out of scenes and decided they needed to add that whole extra plot. Did you feel the same way, Jared, that there was that weird kind of shift there? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely am right there with you. Um, I mean, just from the get-go I kind of thought it was going to be that man out of time and then like you're saying that sweet kind of almost depressing story like almost like a 50-50 you know that movie is very Mm -hmm. comedic but it's very like oh god like this is very depressing as well and I thought that it would go into that a little bit more because yeah like that relationship the man out of time him trying to slowly teach him especially when there's this obsession with seltzer water and I thought that that was very like touching scene of something that a hundred years ago that looked as uh, almost a luxury is now very commonplace so it does almost i mean cody I, i'm sure you notice this is too um when, when it goes into the whole competitor thing that i didn't think entirely landed there's a lot of commentary on kind of today's world compared to la- the yep. uh, you know the world what the american dream has kind of morphed into but also cancel culture um sexism racism the, it, it touches on a lot of things that i don't think that they could they didn't steer enough into or do I think a well enough job of really making commentary on I'm sure some of the stuff was funny there's a there's a scene where they're at court and it's very obscure and I <laughs> I thought it was hilarious because uh what what's the dude from that Netflix sketch show um I think you should leave now oh Tim Robinson yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tim, that guy's fucking hilarious. <laughs> he, he, I saw him and I just started cracking up. But, but aside from that, yeah, I think that a bit of this movie definitely lands. There's some funny moments, but the stuff that doesn't is because it just either was added after the fact or they just didn't leave it in the oven long enough. That's my takeaway too. There, you're gonna find, uh, you know, this is this is a short movie, so it's not gonna hurt. Uh, and and we enjoyed, uh, I think, pretty big parts of this. So you're gonna find a lot in here that you like, but just be aware that the the movie is gonna go to some places that that are gonna seem a little strange and seem a little, uh, I don't know about preachy, but a little very aggressively topical um, at, at certain points in it. And and what I will say is, um, so Seth Rogen doesn't write, produce, direct any of that on this. He's just the actor, and he does a fine job. Um, his accent is so-so as the, the old, uh, the old, the old Jewish guy from the old country. He's got a kind of a weird little accent. That's not always perfect, but he does enough here and he's not so Seth Rogen-y. 
You know, he's not doing the laugh and he's not smoking weed and he's not <laughs> doing all the things that you'd expect Seth Rogen to do. So it seems like he's stretching a little bit here. And I thought that that was nice. And some of the scenes where they really, you know, they wanted them to feel sweet and nice were really effective. There, I got teary-eyed a couple of scenes in this. And one of the things that was interesting to me about this is like, what if you could talk to your great grandparents and have them see what your life is now? And like, what... Would they be proud of you? Would you be excited to show them things? What would you teach them and tell them and share with them? And that is where the movie really shines for me. And there's there's a lot of, of good um, there. But then, you know, like I said, big portions of this movie just seem strange and out of place. And like they weren't, just like Jared said, I think left in the oven long enough is a really good way to put it. So um, mixed, mixed on this, we're in the middle. I'm not going to say don't watch it, but it's not a must see right now. Um, but there, there's some things to like in here. So if you're, if you were already interested in checking out American pickle, I would say continue to do so. But if you're looking for us to convince you to go seek it out, um, I, I don't think we're quite there. So uh, a little bit of a, a, in the middle there on American pickle. And finally, we've got uh, a third movie that Jared and Jared only has seen because it hasn't come out yet. Um, we've heard about this movie a little bit over the past few weeks. Um, and, and I am very intrigued um, to see how this shakes out, because this sounds like something right up my alley. So, Jared, what what do we got coming up soon this weekend here? Yep, it comes out uh, VOD this Friday. It is called Sputnik. It is a Russian movie, so again, I'm jumping over to those foreign language films once again. Um, but <laughs> essentially, the premise of this movie is uh, it takes place in, I think, 1983 or the 80s. We'll, we'll just say the 80s. And um, there's a space mission that the Russians go up into and something goes wrong and it sort of, you know, the capsule crash lands on Earth. And um, you find out that there's potentially some sort of thing that came back to Earth that wasn't supposed to come back with uh, the astronauts. And then... Um, to they kind of have this guy on quarantine on a hidden base you know they're kind of keeping it on the hush hush but then they bring in this um other young female doctor essentially and you can tell from the kind of introduction of her she's kind of has these um methods that maybe aren't entirely by the book you kind of find out maybe there's something a little bit troubled in her past but you don't exactly find out why so then she is brought on board to essentially figure out what is going on with this guy, what exactly is the thing that has come back from the uh, outer space with him, and what is the relationship that the uh, this astronaut and this uh, essentially space alien have together. So that's kind of the situation, the setup. And I thought that they do a great job kind of from the get-go of setting up this kind of eerie tone of is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? We need to talk to this astronaut, um, or cosmonaut rather, because I think that's what they call him over in Russia, and um, what exactly he saw, and how is he feeling, and it's almost this psychological um, alien invasion thriller type situation or setup, because you're kind of getting to the point, it's a slow ramp up of what are they trying to do with this thing? what is this guy in danger is he not in danger um i think it, it it definitely has that kind of slow burn intense almost i wanted it to be more like 1982's the thing but it does kind of have that trage trajectory of like a slow burn into kind of like this mass chaos it doesn't go to that entire level of you know the thing where you know they're flame throwing everything but this does get into this kind of like brutalness where people are potentially losing limbs and whatnot. 
Um, but like I said, I think the the setting of everything, where it's very kind of muted colors, very um, the lighting at some scenes, especially when you know there's reveals of this alien, I think that that worked really well. The effects and sound effects, specifically with this alien, worked really well. Um, I think though that this there was a little bit added, almost like we talked about on American Pickle, where that little bit of subplot or other plot didn't entirely work. There is this other little bit of a subplot dealing with the cosmonaut and a son that he is essentially abandoned. And there's supposed to be um, a comparison or relationship, um, almost parallels between this uh, alien and this cosmonaut along with the cosmonaut and his son that I just didn't think entirely landed. And you know, if you see this movie, you'll probably understand why or see why. And I, I just, I guess I wanted it to be contained to this alien story and just, you know, just rip people apart at the end. And that's not the way this goes. This is much more of kind of like a, I, not necessarily a thinker at the end, but definitely kind of like, okay, well, this is what that relationship meant in the end of things um again I'm, I'm trying to be vague not to spoil anything but this i thought that it worked fairly well this movie overall with a lot of the aspects but it just didn't blow me away not one that i would probably seek out again after watching it but i did have a good time with it i like this and it's did you watch it dubbed or subbed um i don't think that this one was subbed the one the the screener that they sent me it's subtitled so Maybe you might get lucky and there might be English uh, dubbing, but I don't think it will be because this is, yeah, this is a Russian film. It's not one of those Netflix ones where they they kind of treat me every now and then. Sure. Oh. <laughs> well, the movie is Sputnik, and uh, we've got some thriller stuff going on. we got some aliens. we got dads and kids. A lot of stuff to check out on this. Uh, if, you want to, if you want to read some subtitles and listen to some Russian and uh, see some cool space stuff, the movie is Sputnik, and it's going to be releasing uh, this weekend on VOD, Jared. Do I have that right? Yep, this Friday. There you go. This Friday on VOD. If, if Sputnik is interesting to you, um, check that out. You can go find it wherever it is you rent your movies. So we had uh, Sputnik and American Pickle as well as Work It uh, all available this weekend for you to watch. And that's what we thought of them for this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right, folks. Well, you know, after reviews, we are just about to the end of our show. But before we go, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I'll go first uh, with one more thing. Right out of Bend, Oregon, which is where I live, nationwide news this week as uh, it was announced that you can now rent out our Blockbuster, which is the last Blockbuster on the planet. And you can Airbnb inside uh, where they've set up like some old school couches and TVs and things. And you can stay the night in Blockbuster and you can grab movies off the shelves and, and watch them if you want. You can eat popcorn and hang out with your friends and do whatever. Uh, and it's real. People have been texting me all week about this. Like, is this legit? No, it's real. It's real. You can, you can go book dates. Um, I don't think it's permanent. I think it's a special run and I think they're donating the proceeds. Um, and this all coincides with the documentary, the last block, block the last Blockbuster, um, which has been screened recently here in Bend at the Bend, Bend Film Fest, um, but hasn't come out yet. So I imagine there's some promotional uh, bit along with that to try to get some attention. But 
Um, yeah, if you're looking for a cool Airbnb experience, I think it's a few days in September uh, that this is available. There, there's a pretty good chance they're already booked up, but um, if you want to stay overnight in Blockbuster, uh, I'll link to a story about it in the description box so you can check out more of that. But this sounds like it'd be pretty fun. My one more thing is um, a video game. And Cody, you've been playing it. Seth, unfortunately, is oh, not here right now. Yes. But uh, there's this new PlayStation. It's actually on Steam. It's on Switch. It's on Xbox. It's on a lot of platforms. It is called Fall Guys. And right now, this month, it's uh, free via PlayStation Plus. But essentially, this is like Wipeout mixed with MXC, if you guys remember that most extreme elimination challenge. And basically, you start off with 60 people. You play five rounds. And you see who can be the last man standing through all of these ridiculous kind of races, challenges, uh, little mini games and whatnot. And I haven't played a game or binged a game this this much in a long time. It is so much fun to play with friends because you're rooting for each other. You're fighting each other because you want to get the first one to be the crown. And it is just something that I have just been absolutely loving kind of like a shining light of 2020 right now for myself plus i just started up or blew the dust off of the old twitch channel so over on twitch uh tv slash jbuck studios go give me a follow because i'm playing fall guys and some other games with uh you know cody yourself um seth and some other people from youtube and whatnot so jump over there and watch us just try to struggle through these ridiculous games of collecting eggs or stealing the tails off of one another called fall guys <laughs> this is the most immediately addicted to a game i've ever been <laughs> and I, I think it's the the battle royale aspect where it's like okay i gotta make the next round i gotta make the next round and then the deeper you go the heightened tension that you feel and how nervous you get and then how stupid you feel for that yep. because you're watching these little bubble guys with no legs like trip over a tennis ball. <laughs> and and it's it's weirdly I'm 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 acutely aware of how stupid I it seems that I get so excited about this game, but I also still get that excited. Like I've been running around my apartment like like yelling or like cussing something out or like <laughs> dancing around of because of winning a match. Like I've gotten as into this as any game and it feels so stupid, but it's so fun and it's like we talked about with Shit's Creek, it's all just fun and positive. There's not, there's no voice chat, so you, there's no trolls or anything like that. There's people who are kind of dicks, but um, in in silly little ways, it's 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 so. Fu I can't. If you have a PlayStation, you must go get it. It's free right now. There's no excuse not to. And and one thing we didn't mention is like each you you can customize your character, so you can be like a wolf or a dinosaur or like you get like you're these kind of like jelly bean looking characters, but you can get new outfits because the shop. Uh, refreshes mm -hmm. like every 24 hours so every morning I hate to admit it but I'm logging in just to see what outfit I can potentially buy <laughs> yep uh, I played for like four hours the other night because I was trying to earn enough points for this stupid ass chicken costume <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was getting so stressed out because I was like running out of time to play and I was like I gotta win so I can get this fucking costume <laughs> and like that's that sounds so stupid, but like if you play it, you totally understand and can empathize. Like it's just it's it's weirdly and it's captured a lot of people's attention and they've had to add servers and they've done a really good job of trying to keep it running with the amount of volume that they've dealt with. So it's I agree. It's a it's been a bright spot um, of, of otherwise a, a tough summer. But yeah, I'm going to be playing a shitload of this for a long time. <laughs> My one more thing, um, especially because I know that we have a lot of our old dance crew listening team. This is so funny. I hadn't even really thought you, me and Jared 
all our dub agents. Yeah. And then I yep. know there's other people that listen. Um, one of my best friends was the assistant director on World of Dance this season, which I had never watched, but because of her, I've been watching. And I was a big fan of like the original dance shows. I watched a lot of So You Think You Can Dance and America's Best Dance Crew and stuff when that was out. And obviously that was all really impressive. But I watched this fucking World of Dance show, guys, and it blows my mind. It blows <laughs> my mind. I can't even tell you the level that dance is at right now. It's just fucking crazy. Like, they'll be like, someone will do a dance and I'll be like, that was the best dance I've ever seen. And then these judges find things wrong with it. And I'm like, how are you? Like, no. Like, what they just did is inhuman. I just don't understand. So if you want to watch some damn good dance and have your mind blown, I, I'm so enjoying World of Dance. It's, it's just crazy. I think you guys would both enjoy it, especially because it's just a nice... I like to... Even as I was talking about, you know, Zach Efron's show, I like to, like, differentiate the types of things I'm watching. It's nice to, like, mix it up. So if you guys haven't tried World of Dance, um, it's phenomenal. I'm I'm looking at images here. Is it a complete, like, there's no guideline of what kind of dance you can bring to the table, like, different styles? So it's interesting. They kind of, they put them in categories. Okay. So, because okay. it is, a, it's this kind of battle style where you're going up against, yeah, like another group um, or whatever. And so they put them in, in, yeah, categories. It is, it's an odd kind, it's a different, it's definitely a very different format than um, So You Think You Can Dance or America's Best Dance Crew. Um, mm-hmm. Because there is, yeah, such a variety of styles, but they try to match you. Um, well, they put everybody in groups and then you're matched with someone from that group. But there are times that I've seen, you know, salsa numbers go up against hip hop numbers. And Oh, dang. It is interesting. Um, but it's uh, so good. <laughs> I've seen, I, I watch clips from it on YouTube occasionally, especially if one is like on Facebook uh, that someone likes. And I can certainly speak to the dance skill. That shit is impressive. They oh got... You know, it's like uh, when when I was a kid, I used to think like, oh, I'm going to grow up and be a basketball player. And then I ended up being 5'11 and I started meeting 6'4 people. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> basketball, wasn't, basketball was never really in the cards for me. And now <laughs> when I watch when I watch videos of other people dancing now, because I used to have that same thought. I was like, could I make it as a dancer? I don't now. And now I'm like, you know what? That was never really an option for me. So that's what I appreciate about seeing people of that high skill is I don't need to feel guilty about not having pursued those um, those types of things. Cause those people absolutely are, like you said, inhuman. It's it, their shit's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievably impressive. So if you want to have your mind blown and get hyped out of your, your gourd, uh, watch, watch <laughs> some world of dance. There you go. We're getting hyped out of our gourd for world of dance. Uh, we're getting hyped out of our gourd for fall guys. And we're getting hyped out of our gourd to stay at blockbuster this week in one more thing. <laughs> but I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to do it for episode <laughs> 156 of the SoCo Show, rounding out three years of the show. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, probably long episode. I'm not going to cut too much out because I really loved our conversation today, but I know we went long. Um, so uh, a quick note in a second. Um, I'll, I'll, well, actually, I'll just do it now. Um, the next week's show. So we have plans to do our first ever live edition of the SoCo show. It's going to be our big anniversary show. We're really excited about our plan is to have that show next Thursday night, uh, August 20th at 8 PM central six Pacific. 
We are still going to try to make that, but there is a chance we need to move things around uh, because we don't know what Seth's situation is going to be in getting back into the house and getting internet and everything connected. So stay tuned. Keep an eye on Twitter and on Facebook at SoCo Show Pod. Um, and keep an eye out on the anchor page for more announcements. If we do need to adjust things, we'll try to announce it everywhere we can. Um, but make sure you keep an eye out for that. And if you hear nothing, uh, no news is good news. We're going to try to bring you that show. And we look forward to uh, seeing and hearing and reading comments from all of you on the live SoCo show uh, next week. Um, that's the 20th at 8 p.m. So we hope you'll join us. That's going to be on the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. And we are uh, very excited to be working with JB on this and and glad to have had you um, kind of step in, not only as a, a third host for the last few months, but also as as my step-in so-host for this week. So thanks, Jared, for, for this show and for bringing us onto the live. Uh, what have you got coming out on the channel besides the live shows that folks can look forward to over there? Yeah, again, always, always a pleasure for you guys continuously inviting me back. We didn't explode the vehicle this week, so I will hopefully be able to come back for future weeks. Um, you guys can obviously find all my stuff on YouTube at JBuck Studios. Um, I think I have, like, I was looking at my calendar. I have, like, eight movies and series that I need to watch in the next while, so plenty of content coming your way, some early stuff, some cool stuff. Um, again, jump over to twitch.tv slash jbuckstudios and give me a follow because I'm trying to get on the Twitch affiliate program over there. I think it'd be awesome to get some more people over there and watch me play some video games, um, some shenanigans. So all of that stuff, normal reviews and whatnot. And I'm very excited for this live show. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a little bumpy road for the first one, trying to get uh, graphics and just uh, connections and everything, but it should be a fun time. Tune in, ask us questions. Also, Cody, uh, uh, call, uh, send in those voicemails to them or whatever on what, Anchor? Yes. Anchor, was it? Yeah, if you're an Anchor Wanker, head over there. <laughs> Even if you're not an Anchor Wanker, head over there anyway. Leave us a voicemail. We would really love to hear some fun things and some shout-outs and whatever it is else you got for us. Uh, so please go over there, hit the link in the description and, and leave us a voicemail. We'd love, we just want to engage with you guys in these live shows as much as we can, whether it's, uh, you know, we'll have guests on, on certain times. We'll, we'll really be active in, in discussing things with you guys in the chat. And we, we're going to continue to try to find ways to just engage directly with you all. Cause that's what we're really wanting to do with this. And so, um, voice, voicemail is a great way to do that. So if you really want to become a part of the show, uh, that's a great place to start. So we hope that you'll take advantage of that and also join us live next week. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're really stoked. I also want to give big shouts out to Lindsay Monday for joining us again. Oh, for rambling uh, setting, like crazy. Setting the record. We like, see, that's the thing is when we ramble like crazy, everyone's like, oh, these fucking guys are, they're going long today. But then when we actually bring in someone who like knows what they're talking about and has valid <laughs> input on situations, I'm like, no, tell us more. Tell us more. This is interesting. So <laughs> yeah, no, we... We, uh, our listeners, never mind when we rant long, he said, knowing that no one is here to correct him about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Lindsay, for being on, for taking the time. And, and we, we've been talking lately about this, but we, we expect to have you on soon and often, um, as we know you've got some time to contribute for us. So we are going to have you on, certainly before another 150 episodes go by. <laughs> ah, that would be great. And I will get better as we go, guys. I'll get better at knowing how to be on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh Lindsay, anything uh anything that you want to promote any uh, how can folks connect with you what what do you want to share with folks um 
I, whew, well, I do have an Instagram. That's about all I've got. My handle is at everybody hates Mondays with two S's at the end. Very easy to remember. Um, no, I, I've talked about all my passions here today. Hamilton, uh, Umbrella <laughs> Academy, Schitt's Creek. Um, I am digging that new Zac Efron show and, uh, nope, that's about all I got. I will say, um, black lives matter, wear a damn mask, vote people. Come on, here we go. There it is. The smartest shit ever said on the SoCo show was that five seconds. I love it. <laughs> um, all right, folks. Well, uh, we're going to wrap things up there again. Big shouts out to, um, to Lindsay and to Jared and for the absent so host, Seth Ott. We miss I've you, been the Seth. co-host. Cody Michael, we will see you and hear you and talk to you uh, via comments next week. Make sure you make the live show. We can't wait to see y'all.